Hey, let's start the show. It's September 27th, 2013. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Smith, those uncomfortable hand gestures you just saw on the YouTube stream were completely incomprehensible to me. But maybe Norman Chan can explain. Uh, didn't want to interrupt the the fabulous intro. Uh, today is twenty sixth. It's Thursday. Oh, today is Thursday. Oh, that's fine. Well, it's the twenty sixth, guys. Uh, joining us uh, as has become his. Uh, this is a you're becoming a frequent guest. I like this, Jeremy. Williams. I like it too. We're glad to have you back, man. It's you're, good. To- you're the Colin Kaepernick. Well, as most people think of me. I'm not Gary, but I'm happy to sit in. You know, it's funny. I've learned over the last few weeks when Gary has returned, because he had a, like, maybe, let's say, three or four months where he was kind of not around a lot. Um, There are factions within the This Is Only a Test listening community. There are old school listeners who are strongly pro-Gary. YouTube really dislikes Gary, it seems like. Yeah. They, they, They accuse him of interrupting and being rude, which is, you know, I mean, that's that's that seems right. Um, I don't think he's talking about Gary. Seems hypocritical for YouTuber. I, I, I do you think people so. listen to the podcast wearing uh, the Gary T-shirts, and and then like we sold know, a fair number of those Gary T-shirts. Get frustrated when uh, it's not Gary. They're just like, here for Gary. They, they break them out <laughs> once a week, and they're like wear. they're sitting there hopefully as they wait for the podcast to download, and then they they start it up and they're like, oh, oh Jeremy, Jeremy, if you Williams. had a T-shirt, if you had a blockhead T-shirt, what would your accessories be in your same? Oh my gosh! Uh, well, so like, I don't know. I have a coffee mug. Norm carries an iPhone, which I, is now wildly inappropriate. I think it would Very be cool if I had like a twenty six hundred controller. Oh. That, that would be fun. Or like a little pinball machine. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um. So yeah, welcome back to the show, Jeremy. It's good to Thanks, have you man. back, man. Uh, we it. we have had an eventful uh, seven days since last we spoke. Let's see. I think last time so many lies in last week's podcast. Yeah, I thought I was going to New York, and I I had a sick baby, so I didn't go. Um, you saw a bunch of, of readers and viewers and people who know us, though, when you were at Maker Fair, right? Were there other kick ones? off with some New York, New York, New York I, talk? I think New York is a, is a good place to start this show. Wow. Okay. Um, what is it? Would you rather start oh, no, something no, else? Like, I know there are a lot of topics to talk about. We have, uh, a, we have a fair number of high, high dollar topics. So this this is the World Maker Fair? Yeah, so uh, Maker Fair is run by Make Media now. It used to be O'Reilly, the publisher. Well, Make, Make Media is O'Reilly. They spun off. They, they spun off. No yeah. longer the same company. Um, it's the same people, though. Yeah, it's the same people running it. Yeah. But they're no longer associated with O'Reilly. That, that happened like much. in January. Yeah. So Make Media, a uh, great publisher of uh, DIY Make, books, Magazine, magazine yeah. and, um, and, and stuff, they, they host Maker Fair. Uh, Bay Area is technically where it started, Bay Area Maker Fair. Um, and World, New- World Maker Fair... It's not any more international, I think. I, they just call it that because it's the World's Fairgrounds, right? I, I think that's likely the case. It's not like it's International Comic Con where people fly from around the world. Uh, if anything, I think Bay Area Maker Fair is probably a more diverse selection of, of makers. There were a lot more Canadians in New York last year. That, if that makes it international, sure. Canada's international. Just, just pro- proximity-wise. 
Um, but going through all the exhibit listings, there are many, I think many more, way more exhibits in the Bay Area Maker Fair. So well, it's a bigger, um, it's a bigger venue and that, there's more like inside space where they have those little, t- you, you've been to Maker Fair, right, Jeremy? I have. Yeah. I've never been to the World Maker Fair though. That sounds bigger, but you're saying it's actually a smaller I think it's actually venue. smaller. Yeah. So, it's, it's well, a little the, more manageable. Um, but it's, it's at the World's Fairgrounds, uh, the World's Fair. Yeah, the, it's where the, where the, like the, you remember at the end of Men in Black 1, <laughs> yeah. where the spaceships take off from where the World's Fair was? The, okay. Yeah, what it's that place. 19 something, 1913, 1906, very, like, yeah. 1942. It's in Manhattan somewhere? Queens. It's in Queens. Oh, okay. so outside, it's about a half an hour um, subway ride from, from Manhattan. Um, the, the, so, oh, sorry. Oh. I was going to say, the big difference for me last year when we were there is that, you know that big hangar at San Francisco at the Bay Area Maker Fair yeah. where they have dozens of like six foot tables set up and there's all sorts of little people that have crazy and awesome stuff in yeah, there. The hangar is yeah. the dark room. Well, the, the curved building. Okay, so there's room. there's the dark room, and then there's also like the crafts and small people booths, and those are like that's my favorite part of Maker Fair because there's usually awesome, crazy stuff in yeah, there, me too. and they don't kind of have that as much at World Maker Fair. There's not a big open area just packed with tables. Why are they and calling people. it World Maker Fair and not like New York Maker like Fair? I, say, I think well, I think it's New York's World Maker Fair, probably because it's at the the World's Fair. It's confusing venue. though. I think we're overthinking this. Um, Anyway, we went last year, uh, so we thought it would be uh, fun to go again this year, and um, still very fun trip. Uh, it made a shorter trip this year because last year we, we took a whole. We went there. We stayed in New York for a whole week, which is much more time than we ever needed to to be there. But we got it out of our system. Went and saw a couple, couple cool places. Saw the uh, space shuttle, the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. One of the the orbiters uh, didn't actually fly into space. It was the the test orbiter. Um, we went. We went to some of the museums. Like you went to the Museum of the Moving Image, and yeah, that, that was more like downtime. Uh, that was in Queens, uh, you know, Smithsonian. Uh, not no, no, uh, American National, American History, National Museum. History Museum. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like people we met, and makers we met, and videos we shot, uh, went to the Bot Cave, uh, which is the Maker Bot. Mm-hmm. Um, their home. The, what was their home base? They're no longer there now. They're now in the Bot Tower. It's very Batman like. They have the Bot Cave. No, no. Oh, okay. Because. Um, they got investment and they have more people now. So they're, well, they they're, they're on a, they're on a, like a whole floor of a, or a big part of a floor of a skyscraper. I, I, I think last year, aside from the enterprise trip, which was pretty amazing, we went to resistor NYC, which was one of the first hack spaces. Yeah. I know about it. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I remember reading about that probably in the early two thousands when, when they were like, Hey, we would like to have a laser cutter, but we don't have $25,000. How can the 10 of us figure out a way to, to get $25,000 and buy a laser cutter? And they started etching people's like laptops and iPods and stuff like that in exchange, which allowed them to fund a 20, at the time, a $25,000 machine. Uh, which was kind of unheard of. That was the first time I'd ever heard of like normal people without a business or without any. And, and that, that space that they were in is crazy because it's in like the third floor of an old turn of the cent, turn of the last century warehouse where the wood stairs are just three inch thick slices, slabs of wood that have kind of, you know, worn away over the last 120 years, 115 years. It was amazing. It was really cool. I know Adafruit is in New York. I bet they had a big presence at Maker Fair. Not really. That's so, surprising. Yeah, it was surprising. Um, uh, Arduino had a big booth. Uh, the, when I say booth, these are uh, under tents. Um, they call them pavilions. Hmm. So there's like a, a Maker Pavilion, a 3D printing pavilion. And it's just like festival style tents. 
uh, were there more pack tables? Not not more space. I mean, it was very like I, I thought it was some of that tent space was a little poorly designed. That cupcake cars, no cupcake cars. So less that, just less stuff go, like moseying around like the alleys. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you don't see the the giant giraffe robot. You don't see the mondo spider. Uh, people are walking around for sure, um, but it's less festive. It's it's less Burning Man and more like MIT. If that you know, there's a lot of cool robot stuff. Or there was last year. Did you? Was there more drone stuff this year? I kind of expected not, to see more really. drones. No, just you know, the big growth was 3D printing. I mean, there was a whole section for 3D printing, uh, 3D printers, and also in the Maker Pavilion, which was supposed to be dedicated for independent projects like start, Kickstarter startups and stuff like that. A bunch of 3D printers there. Also, it's going to be 3D printers for a while. For a while, and and I had hoped that there would be more, uh, maybe one or two, just experiments in 3D scanning. Yeah, none. Well, no. makers do on, one. Only MakerBot. Yeah, has, they had the digitizer there, there, right? That's yeah. it. Uh, so let's talk about the stuff we saw at Maker Fair. Okay. Um, some of these videos, uh, about two of them will be on the site by the time you watch this. Uh, listen to the podcast. Um, there was uh, Open ROV was there. We did a nice talk with Open ROV. This, these are uh, the two people, Eric Stackpole and Dave Lang, who um, developed not, an open not, source. Just to be clear, not dive kick. This is David Lang, not David Dave Lang. Lang. Yeah, a lot, a lot of Davids and Daves. Yeah, in there. Um, who uh, founded this company? Design a uh, underwater robot that you can. It's tethered. It's cheap. And it's relatively cheap, under a thousand dollars, but it's actually something that can be used not just for silliness and fun to put in a pool, but for actual exploration and academic research. Well, it's it's one of those things that's cheap compared to. Um, the like, stuff James Cameron uses, you, or even even like the stuff that universities use, right? Like previously, they can buy. I think when we first talked to to David and and Eric, Eric uh, they basically said, "Look, for what one of for what you would normally spend on a drone that is flaky and impossible to fix if it breaks when you're on location someplace, we can sell them eight or ten. And if one if they if the wire breaks and they lose one, you know it's bad, but it's not that big a deal." Um, so they're on the second, the uh, on version two point five of their design now. Yeah, right? so we saw two point five, which is it's actually very different from their two point four. Completely new chassis design, a camera that can go up and down, and of course it's all open design. So if you had your access to materials and laser cutter and, and electronics, uh, you can just download designs and build your own. But they do sell the kits, um, and they just, they also just got funding, so it's great for them. They're expanding. Uh, the cool stuff is that if you check their blog, you'll just see where their robot has gone uh, with scientists. So you know it's it's dived in Mexico and actually made some cool discoveries. Do you know how deep it can go? Uh, I want to say a thousand feet. It's 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 real. It's like the the way the design works, like the sealed compartment, the air, the the place where water can't get is relatively robust. So it's just cut plexi and cut pipe and you you seal that together so it can go crazy deep. The limit is usually like how far you can go without getting wires tangled and stuff like oh, that. Oh, so it's wired. 100 feet wireless. Gotcha. Yeah. 300 feet. Yeah. So three, I mean in 300 feet they've taken it into like cenotes and in the Yucatan and you know gone deep enough to get into the salt water layers of the cenotes. So it's one of those places where the water where the where the um, ocean 
the water from the ocean comes in underneath the whole floating. You know, the whole peninsula basically floats, as I understand it, and the water from the ocean comes in underneath, and they can go through the the salt water, the the salt salt fresh water barrier, and and do things that it would be kind of dangerous for a person. To yeah, do. it's about duration underwater, and also not just depth, but like just the crevices that it can go in, and and they will have accessories that you can attach robotic arms in the future and stuff like that. Did did I see that they're using that at at Aquarius now too? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we talked to Open RV. Uh, there's also a couple of small projects like a, a robotic barista for pour over coffee. I think that, that video is on the site now. Cool. Um, uh, we talked to uh, Ted did you, Southern. Did you try the coffee? Did try the coffee. Was it good? It was good. It was yeah, okay. It was free, free good coffee. Okay. And the guys knew what they were talking about. It, five stages of of uh, pouring. What did it, did it did it do? Like a did it have like a swizzle method, uh, like a it's, spinner uh, thing. It's 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 yeah, two axis. So one axis is moving between the five different um, uh, uh, cups, and then one is to oh. rotate it in a, a circular shape. So this is pattern. beyond what I see at half the Starbucks these days, which is a push button system. Yeah, and, and this is just like two guys. They're not going to sell it. They just wanted to see if they could do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there, there's there's a bunch of commercial. Like pour over things. Bun makes one that's not very good. There's a guy named Bill Crossland who used to work for Lamazoco, who makes a who, who makes what is reputed to be a really good one. I haven't actually tried coffee from it. Yeah. This, this is more like a just a fun robot. You know, like, like the one you see the like the bar bots kind of thing. They can automate gotcha. and, and program. This is what Pee Wee Herman would have in the morning. Exa- y- yes, absolutely. It's it's very Wallace and Gromit. Well, Pee Wee Herman. Well, um, and, a lo- and, and a lot of the stuff, even like Open RV, started as a hey, can we can we do this? Like and then they happen to find realize that there was a market for it. I, I like and that people, the ambition for a lot of people are not to take things yeah. to the market. Um, it's just like they they want they're they have the tools. Some of them are just engineers and designers and programmers, and uh, they're working on other stuff for the real jobs. And then these are things they build in their garage for fun, just to see if they can because they have the parts or because they want the thing. I mean, yeah. that's like it's what, why you built the pinball table lights, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's why Adam builds most of the stuff that he builds. It's because he wants the thing that he gets at the end. Um, so other notable things uh, we saw, we did see the digitizer. Had a fun talk with um, a MakerBot, one of the developers, uh, web developers of MakerBot. Um, talk about digitizer. It's much bigger than I thought it'd be. Well, it has um, to be because it has to hold the thing, well, right? The photos make it look. It's 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 has a pretty big. Um, just a it's like bigger than a footprint? replicator. Yeah, footprint. Uh, if the footprint is probably bigger than uh, about the size of the replicator footprint. Is it is it like bigger than your pad that yeah, you're? Yeah, it's okay. bigger than that pad, which, okay. which I think I thought was pretty big. That's pretty I'd, big. I'd love to know like a quick you know re- rundown on that thing. Is it how expensive is it going to be? Fourteen hundred dollars. How long does it take to scan? It takes a, a while, so it, it rotates pretty slowly. I want to say it's uh, about fifteen minutes to and scan something. About eight eight by eight by eight is the max size. Um, and it, does it use lasers and cameras? It's two or? lasers and, and one camera, which okay. is not new because we, we've seen like laser yeah. scanners like that. Uh, Why is it so expensive then? It's because it's well, it's mostly the software, and huh. so it's the software is what turns the laser. Uh, so it's all point scanning. Uh-huh. So the lasers bounce in camera, and they they calculate you know, very fine points yeah. and convert that point scan into a mesh that the maker where can read makers where software can read uh, is. The magic. Well, typically when you 3D scan something, you have to go then go and open up the model in SolidWorks or something and kind of go through and fix all the problems that would make it not print like a, right. You know, a cloud of points. And you don't yeah. have to and do that connect, with You this? don't have to do that. It's, they're claiming that what it scans, it, as long as the model isn't, doesn't have like a lot of overhangs and yeah. things aren't obscured and the lighting's oh, good. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. yeah uh, then, or voids in the middle. Yeah. Then the mesh is going to be real, like, solid enough that 
you know, cylindrical shapes work best, but you can just press the button and it'll go to the MakerBot and not have to do a lot of fine tuning. You can, um, but not as much fine tuning. Is this software going to be open sourced or no? No. No, there's no chance. Yeah, MakerWare is, is private now. Okay. Oh, interesting. So even the MakerBot is completely closed now. No, the the so the Mighty Board, the board design for the like the the, the guts of the thing is still basically a Replicator One board. Um, they had bits and pieces of Replicator G and MakerWare until fairly recently. I think they pulled them out now too. So I think I, I could be wrong. Maybe there's parts of Miracle Grew or or which is what their slicers used to be called. I can't remember what they call it now. Um, they may have bits and pieces that are open still, but for the most part, it's 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 all gone closed. They got it seems like they got really freaked out when the the that guy started selling Chinese made clones of the Replicator One and just changed the branding. Like just basically downloaded their plan, sent them to to Alibaba or somebody, yep. and said, "Hey, make these." And and his Kickstarter didn't get funded, but I, my hunch is that the people that had given them millions of dollars to build the business in the venture capital world lost their shit. I, I don't know. But it's speculation. So what I'm more excited about is um, this scanner, which was not at uh, Maker Faire, which is the Matterform 3D scanner. There's an Indiegogo uh, project, um, uh, another crowdfunded project, a couple months ago, and it was like $400. It's supposed to be portable. It like collapses, and it does it does what looks like pretty accurate scans. Uh, I have one of those coming in, so I'm, I'm early on that. Oh, nice on the Indiegogo. So, are you going? Is this going to ship before the Maker Bot scanner? Uh, you know what? Because this is a smaller company and they've already been delayed a couple months. Uh, Maybe Maker not. Digitizer is shipping October, yeah. so people will probably get digitizers in oh, before. That's yeah, cool. It's, it's soon. Okay. Um, the, the, the Matterform, even the retail on that is like six hundred dollars, though. Yeah. So, but, half, but half the price, less than half the price. That, I mean, that's one of those things that I kind of feel like the people who are in the market for a three D scanner, for the most part are going to be people who are going to already have SolidWorks and are already going to be proficient with that stuff. Because I don't know, like even if the digitizer works exactly as they're advertising, it's still not like a, like a Xerox machine for, for 3D objects. Well, if you're, there, it sounds like the maker guys, the MakerBot guys are claiming it will be. They, they, really want to, they really want to use that photocopying analogy, and we did talk a little bit about that. I'm not going to spoil some of that conversation. It was a little fun, like you know, what happens if you... Print something, scan it, print it, scan it, print it, scan it. Yeah, yeah. So it degrades. I can imagine that there is an audience of people who are waiting for a scanner before they jump into printing. Yeah, maybe. But but I mean, even the printing stuff, even what three three and a half four years into three D printing uh, as a as a kind of more accessible thing, it's still not. It still requires a fair amount of touch. Yeah. Like it's not it's not as simple as just downloading or printing. You know, saving your model sending it to the machine and printing. You still have to adjust stuff. You still have to kind of constantly be fiddling with the machine. And, and I'm holding out. It's dot matrix still. That's what I think. I've, we're yeah. still in the dot matrix days. I can't wait till we get color and smoother prints. I think you look at stuff like the like the laser the laser centering stuff and the stuff like the UV photoreactive stuff that Formlabs has done, and I feel like that's probably closer closer to the next level than yeah. the additive processing yeah. that we see now. Formlabs probably, I mean, laser censoring is much bigger machines. It, it, yes. And, and material is way different. Well, the material but, is, is much cheaper in a lot of cases for the centering stuff because it's just like styrofoam plastic. A little more cleanup, right? Uh, there's a little more cleanup and you, you have a whole, you have to have a bin of the stuff. Yeah. So, it's like the powder. you know, yeah, it's, it's like a big, it's, and probably that powder, if I had to guess, is probably not real good to breathe. No. Um, That's in labs. Uh, but the idea of 3D printers, the idea of rapid prototyping, making little things like trinkets and, and things that you can, whether you're, you need prototypes for hardware or things to fix your home with, that's like an easy story to sell, things that make sense. A, a 3D scanner, 
if you're already a computer modeler, what, what would you need a 3D scanner for? Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a 3D modeler. Okay, so like if you, you want to get some like Sculpey, you want to sculpt some, some figurines and then put it through this 3D scanner and then, and then tweak it. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I, you're not going to get, you're going to get a better result if you do the 3D modeling, no mm-hmm. doubt. I mean, I can't imagine under any circumstance under which you wouldn't. But the scanner is going to give you a really easy in if you're not a modeler. Yeah, and yeah. it's a, it's all about software. So there's going to be a lot of like, I imagine a lot of user friendly software. So when you scan things, it'll be like you know like like a spore style, you know, right? Like easy sculpting. I yeah. can't wait to see how 3D printing affects the toy industry. I mean, it's going to be an incredible. It's a lot of rights thing rights management. Things, not, yeah, so. not only like that, but a whole new market for downloadable toys. You know. Yeah. Um, so we, we do talk to. Hold on. Actually, do kids still play with action figures? Your, your your son is getting close to like where I would have yeah, been an action six. figure age. Is he into that stuff, or is it just boring because it's not interactive? You know, we haven't really done action figures so much. He's he's more into Legos, which he plays with those action figures. Okay, you know, the little Lego guys, but and um, and Matchbox cars. I, um, I can tell you, kids are still into action figures. I can imagine okay. they are. I, I like. I, I kind of wondered because yeah. it's like he's into Minecraft. I, I, I mean, more adults are in action figures now than were that's, five years ago. That's for sure. <laughs> but I think if you go to Target and you go to uh, maybe not Toys R Us, yeah, doesn't exist anymore. But any well, they're, big they're box there. store, then aisles and aisles of action figures. But uh, you know, with this new customization generation, with things like Minecraft, if he could actually design his own toy and print it out. Yeah. And customize it, and maybe share, f- email his friends the same head that he just made. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. That's a whole oh. new generation of toy making, and also embedding electronics. That's probably the next big thing. Also, yes, yeah. bring it on. I mean, talk about uh, that's going to do for action figures. Uh, what like, like for um, uh, Disney Infinity and and what's the other one? The uh, Skylanders. Skylanders, right? Well, I mean, for me, when I was when I was. Um, when I was your son's age, I, I was like super into Star Wars and most of my, like the time that my parents gave me as, I, I've been thinking about this stuff more for obvious reasons. Right. You had the like, Darth Vader carrying case? I had the C-3PO one. Oh, nice. But yeah. Um, I mean, Star Wars, making up my own Star Wars stories because I probably hadn't seen, at that point I had only seen Star Wars on CBS and maybe Return of the Jedi, but never Empire Strikes Back because it was too scary. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I just made up my own stories and flew around my own, you know, universe. And sometimes there were Transformers there and sometimes there were, you know, whatever else was around. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear kids are still doing Imaginative that. play. We try to yeah. encourage that more. You know, there's so much desire for screen time you know which is basically video games or cartoons yeah hardest thing is limiting that because they push so hard yeah well i mean i have a nine month old and she already if there's an iphone in in crawling distance yeah she she goes for it like it's that that is it might as well put out a, a piece of crack i heard you say you think you're getting a hug but she just wants that i just wants the iphone yeah. it's cold ice cold um so what else to make her norm um, we talked to Ted Southern, who is one of the co-founders uh, of Final Frontier Design. This is a really interesting story. We had this on the on the site actually a feature about these guys. Uh, there are two guys in Brooklyn. Uh, one who used to be a fashion designer. Who I, he's not like it's not his biggest story, but everyone likes talking about how he used to design the wings for uh, Victoria's Secret models. Um, so oh, okay. Working the fashion business, he makes angels. He he, he did uh, at one point in his life. Um, but he's like a, a material guy, materials guy, fabrics guy. Okay. And he is working with, um, this other guy, Nick, uh, who's this Russian ass Russian dude. Russian. Um, and <laughs> very, very Russian dude. 
uh, who used to work for uh, be a contractor for Roscosmos and design spacesuits for oh, Russian, wow. uh, Russian cosmonauts. One of the private contracting companies, not actually the Russian Space Agency. Uh, he's in the U.S. now, and the two worked together to uh, a couple years ago um, enter a competition. NASA has many competitions, like challenges, um, and they won second place uh, designing a glove that was better uh, beat the specs that NASA needed, a uh, space glove. And now they design spacesuits as a small private company. Um, well, the glove thing, like I did, we, when we were at Houston, we got to try on one of the spacesuit gloves. And I didn't realize, like, in order for them to not balloon up and be unusable when the suits are pressurized against the vacuum, they had to be insanely tight. Like, those, those the astronauts who are outside doing fine motor stuff have to have unbelievable finger and hand strength to be able to do that for eight or 10 hours or however long the spacewalk happens to go just, just to fight the glove when it wasn't pressurized that we were putting, like it was, I mean, you have, I think the glove probably fit you better than it did me, Yeah, but it was, it was, we also didn't get the real experience of the pressurization. Well, of course, but it was uncomfortably tight. Like I, I got to imagine that somewhere where astronauts are sitting at their desk, the 99% of time that they aren't in space, they're just working those little mountain climbing, you know, the, the spring things. So th- that was super cool. And kids got to put their hands in the glove in a little pressure chamber and try to solve Rubik's Cubes and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, a uh, bunch of other stuff. Um, Cast AR was there, which I, I know, Jeremy, you're probably interested in. Uh, that's Jerry Ellsworth's company uh, with Rick Johnson, two ex-Valve employees who left and have their own little augmented reality. It's not really augmented reality. Um, yeah, it's totally augmented reality, but it's nah, not. If, if you talk to like, if, well, I had a long conversation at E3 with, uh, with uh, Palmer, Palmer Lucky, where he said, this is not augmented reality. It's, it's definitely augmented into the world, but sure. it's not augmented. Things it's, it's not in the, the traditional, it's, right. It's right. not overlaying on the world. It's overlaying on a speci- on specific a, surface, yeah. uh, but there, it, it's projecting. Are, it's, you, are you a believer? Um, so they didn't have – we didn't do a video with them because they didn't have their uh, newest prototypes, which they – we will be doing something very soon. I uh, can't say exactly specific dates, but they're, they have said that their Kickstarter is going to launch sometime in October. Oh, interesting. So uh, we will be doing something around that time with them. Um, we should explain what it is, though, again. So because these, we, are, these are glasses? We did, yeah, we did a video at Maker Faire in San Francisco. When they first unveiled it. Yeah, when the, with the, like the earliest of early prototypes. So uh, these are glasses that you wear, and um, instead of like the Oculus Rift where you're looking at a screen, what you're looking at is on the, in the uh, nose of the glasses is a projector, and the projector projects out in front of you, but when you look at a specific reflective surface... Is it not two projectors? It is two projectors. Because, yes, it's, it's three. So when you look at a specific uh, type of reflective surface, which is like this cheap mat that they, they'll sell, it'll bounce back into your eyes, and there's polarization, and so you see 3D. Um, but basically, the canvas of where you screen, it's literally a canvas. It can be as big as you want it to be. Um, and it could be three-dimensional, your your screen. So as opposed to you having... You have diminishing light the further it goes, just like any sure. yeah. projector. Yes. Yes. But, it, but in a dark environment, it worked... It, at Maker Faire, it worked really well mm-hmm. on a fairly big, like a 4x4, four 5x5 four, five five piece of the material. So the idea is that instead of looking at a 30-inch monitor or even three 30-inch monitors, where with the benefit of that is that you get to look left and right and you get bigger field of view, uh, it's only... The, the screen moves with you. And 
you're only limited by how much canvas you have and the way you arrange it. And that offers a lot of interesting game design opportunities where you can talk about like looking at mazes, 3D chess. Uh, these things are interactive because you have, uh, there, there are camera sensors that will spot, you know, uh, wands and other accessories and maybe gloves in the future. Um, and also the, the canvas has lights so that, so that you can, multiple people can participate and the, the system will know where everyone's head is at. So f- like you, you can have a shared experience around this canvas with three, four, five people, however many people you have because the, the, of the way the projection and reflection thing works. So, so for example, Norm can stick his wand into the model and I'll see it rendered in the exact right place. Like the, the virtual thing and Norm's wand it will be in the right place as well. And, and it's really cool. The thing that makes it work, just like the Oculus, is advances in motion sensing uh, technology. Just cheaper motion sensors that allow way more accurate tracking of where your head is. Because it is head tracking. Um, so that when your head moves, the video image tracks it instantly. Exactly. It's, yeah. For perspective changes. Yeah. So it looks like you're actually looking around a 3D environment. As opposed to you know a screen moving in front of you. The the analogy from film isn't like the like Minority Report or or Johnny Monic or something like that. It's um, it's the 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 chess that R two D two and Chewbacca play on the Millennium Falcon in Star Wars, and like the the big Death Star th- you know three D representation where it's a shared. You know, something that a bunch of people can sit around and see rather than a solitary experience. So coincidentally, their tech demo that they will be launching with the Kickstarter is that 3D chest from Star Wars. Oh, really? It'll oh, be called Let the Wookiee Win. That's nice. Yeah. That's good. The thing that's <clears throat> most interesting to me about this project and the thing that I think is its biggest hurdle is that there's no existing uh, you know, uh, infrastructure or game type that easily translates to it. Yeah. It's, it's ground up a brand new platform which is exciting but also that you can't run doom on right so that's the the problem the demo they showed was a a 3d shooter that was one of those it's built into unity that you get that demo um and they said you know and as developers like to say it was only just like an hour of work to port it over to get it working um so you know they're announcing they'll i think well but but while Oculus works with every Jer- Jeremy's point is 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 the is it like while where Oculus works with anything that's first person or or theoretically works with a little bit of effort with anything that's a first person perspective or that is like a virtual cockpit kind of view, this is a completely new thing and requ- and and there's going to be a ramp up period while developers figure out what to do with games. it. I mean, this is a perfect yeah. strategy game yeah. simulator. You get your your canvas is your board. It's like that game. Um, what was that Ubisoft game Ruse, where yeah. you know, it was like you're, you're like a commander in front of a giant table? Like you imagine the big, the battlefield, and then you just look around and and move th- move your characters around. Or you could play board games yeah. with people across the country, yeah, like so, a virtual partner. Oh, very excited for that. Yeah. Um, that was another thing we saw, and and a, a bunch of other small things. Um, there's a, what, what you said. There's like four, five, six videos from Maker six, Faire. Six things from Maker Faire. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to many. I mean, I, we talked to 3D printer guys, but didn't shoot many videos of them. It's, it's too too difficult to be comprehensive in that space now. Um, well, you, the way you find out about like most of the things that are in the 3D printer space are products that are being sold now. So like, we, we you need to test them to know if they're yeah. Like just talking about it doesn't doesn't cut it anymore. There's a guy walking around with a 3D printer that runs on batteries. Hang, There's a Kickstarter this week for a $100 3D printer. Yeah, saw that. Um, he he designed it himself with ha- like household parts where a drip of water 
connects two contacts every time the water drips, which raises the reservoir, but also fires off a circuit. It's completely MacGyver, and it looks really cool. Hundred dollar three D printer. I can't. I, I saw this yesterday, but I can't remember what it's called. I don't. Do know. you remember? No. Um, anyway. Could, yeah. Okay. Hundred dollars is. I mean, that's like the Kindle sweet spot. It's commod- yeah. commodity right. commodity pricing for uh, new electronics. Okay. So so what other stuff? Um, uh, did you did you get the halal cart? Okay, so uh, Maker Faire was Saturday and Sunday. Let's get to the important stuff. We, we, and, and that was the purpose, main purpose of the trip. But uh, outside of Maker Faire, we also had opportunities to see uh, three very cool things that we shot videos for. Uh, one was uh, Nathan Sawaya, who is um, probably the most famous Lego artist in the world. Uh, he, according to, according to his Wikipedia page, uh, in certain art rankings, is uh, the eighth most well-known in terms of work, living artists in the world right now because of his late art. There's art rankings? Like, is, art that, rankings. is this like Metacritic for art? Uh, some, ter- some sort of popularity rankings. Uh, Jeremy, you might have seen his work as the uh, uh, yellow is his most famous piece. It's the Lego man who tears his chest open and spills out Lego. Um, anyway, he has been doing this about 10 years and has ex- actual gallery exhibits all around the world in uh, New York and um, Israel and, and all, all sorts of places. It's- we actually visited his uh, his exhibit um, and got a private tour and, and talked to him about the art of building Lego and how do you sculpt with Lego. Is, is he an actual, like, is he a Lego employee or is he just a, um, a so artist? So he used to, Lego? I think uh, early in his career, he contracted with Lego a little bit, but now he's completely independent. Okay. Um, he is, Lego as a company, um, very protective of, you know, what people do with their stuff, even though you can't control it. Yeah, they don't want it. any Lego penises. Well, too, too late. Um, Lego, uh, they will hire and grant the title of Lego Grand Master or Master Builder. And I, there was a big story last year of like the youngest American Master Builder. And there are very few of these. It's like being a Master Jedi, basically, right? And you have to go through your trials. And we, I talked to Nathan a little bit about because he actually has that title, but he doesn't use it because when you have that title, you, you're the guy who goes to like shopping malls and build stuff for conventions and like anytime you see a big life-size yoda that's yeah built by by a lego master designed by or or at the lego store you know those those uh big displays dioramas like those are built by lego masters he didn't want to do that because he's he's a sculptor and he wanted to do his own stuff right but he got the certification anyway and i talked to him about what that test entailed and it was really funny um again won't spoil too much of it but you that sounds cool i mean there's a certain um Analogy to pixel art in yeah. Lego making. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, in Minecraft, yeah. obviously, it is. It's yeah. it's very it's very geometric, yeah. and I can imagine it's going to get easier once computers start getting involved. So here's a trick, and, and a lot of people do use computers, and that's cool, and you can do a lot of creative stuff without actually having to use Lego. There's actually Lego graph paper that he Nathan uses. What? It's like yeah. it's like graph paper, but it's the shape of Lego, but it's two dimensional. But it's the right, right scale. Right, right. But it's it's what he uses for like um, for portraits for like mosaics. Oh, interesting. Okay. As opposed to sculpture, he's well, yeah. both. Well, there's even Lego based CAD stuff. I, I did a story about this last year. I, can't, I think it's called. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, you can you can do. The problem with the Lego CAD stuff is that they don't necessarily tell you which bricks are readily available and like how to get the bricks that you've used. So even if you use standard bricks in weird colors, it's it's really hard to get the bricks. Um, with the, the 2D stuff, what's interesting, just like pixel art, you know, you're designing block by block, but because with Lego, you're not using one by one blocks, using all different sizes, the way you layer them, the, the brick stacking layer 
is that's all you. That's your creativity. And the spaces in between the Legos, like the, the, the lightning bolt, you know, sh- silhouette shape, right? That is part of the mosaic. You mean, you mean the edges of the, the bricks? The edges of the bricks yeah. are part of the composition. Because you could build everything with one by one, and yes, you, from a distance, get something that looks just like you know, what, what Nathan or what, what other Lego artists will build. But the, you also design for structural integrity. You design for creativity. Um, a lot of interesting stuff from that talk. Um, Lego pieces are glued together. All the sculptures are glued there. What was really cool was that he was he wanted what, to go to what the could exhibit. he use cyanide acrylate or did he say he cannot he couldn't specifically talk on camera about what type of glue he uses because it's not necessarily healthy like there there are fumes that they want, <laughs> don't want kids oh. to use so cyanide acrylate um, so <laughs> or uh, epoxy at the at the uh, at the exhibit uh, one of his sculptures had a, a had fallen apart or had had a break in it so he was actually there to fix it. So he walked up to, you know, there were people walking around and looking at these exhibits and the sculptures, and he just walked up to one and just, like, took it off. <laughs> the Lego piece examined it and, like, and put it back together. Yeah. I, um, I, they have a Lego store. I've never been to Lego Land, but they have a Lego store at Disneyland mm-hmm. with the most amazing Lego constructions I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, a dragon that is on top of the building. Right. And huge, huge figures. And I, I talked to one of the employees, and I guess they ship them there in pieces. They have yes. massive bricks that have all been glued together. So I imagine if he took that off, maybe that was a glued together part. I don't know. Every, every layer is glued together in his pieces. Oh, wow. Okay. Every single layer. Was the X-Wing still in Times Square? I don't think so. No. No, no, no. Definitely not. The okay. big X-Wing, no. That was intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, one last thing from his, uh, what was I going to say? I forget now. Oh, well. Um, it's in the video, right? It's, it's all, we had a nice long talk about building. That'll, that one will be a little while, I yeah, think? Yeah, it'll be a, li- a little while. Um, after we uh, talked with him, I met with another uh, pop artist, a guy who takes uh, vinyl figurines and does like, Shows the anatomy of inside of toys, like Dunnies, or yeah, like Dunnies, or you know, like Mickey Mouse and or Disney characters, and he he carves them out and fills them with clay and, and does some cool sculpting. It's very cool. Um, um, the, he, he, the one the thing that I saw that I was familiar with was the Operation Board Game. That's, that's a new. Him? That's just just the newest one. Okay. Yeah, that's the newest. One. We saw the Operation Board Game. Uh, that's for a Las Vegas exhibit he did. Uh, cool. Guy's name is Jason Freedy, and and then the last thing we saw uh, was a. a the chief technologist, chief culinary technologist of the French Culinary Institute. Dave so Arnold. A big – his Wikipedia page calls him a leader in molecular astronomy. He is a leader, which um, is legit. So, yeah. Uh, so the thing – so he, the, he was one of the early people who figured out how meat glue works, I think, um, which is a glutamase, which lets you take two different kinds of protein and glue them together. Uh, and he's also done a ton of like – Science, like real scientific study on everything from like sous vide techniques to um, he he's done a couple of really cool hacks with those you know the whipped cream guns the ones that you recharge yourself with like a CO two or nitrogen oxide canister yep. so he's done things like like uh, pickling you can because they're pressure you can and you can put whatever you want in those things you can put like cucumbers in there with brine apply pressure and pickle. Instantly. Using yeah, instantly with no heat. That's using awesome. using a whipped cream siphon. Nice. So yeah, he's done a he's done a bunch of cool stuff on that. Kind uh, of but you saw something that was dude, super awesome. This dude is like, he's an inventor and he loves food and he loves experimenting with food and he just like Dave Chang, um, the the chef uh, that we talked to earlier this year that we brought to NASA. They're business partners. They they're just like all about you know taking old because people making food for as long as humans have existed and taking technologies that have been 
that maybe aren't in fashion now or have no purpose now and trying to find interesting uses for them. Um, so uh, he is actually the director of the Museum of Food and Drink, um, which doesn't really exist yet as a physical place. It's an idea. They, he wants to bring. He wants New York to have this museum that celebrates food history and food technology. And they did a Kickstarter last year, earlier this year, to fund an exhibit, one exhibit of those. And that exhibit was this thing called a a puffing gun. And um, it's puffing technology is something that was invented like a hundred years ago. And it's what allows you to make. Um, like a like puff, puff rice cereal. and kicks and Kick, stuff like exactly. that. Exactly, kicks, not rice krispies because that's just extruded. Um, but uh, oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was not, puffed rice. Not, not, yeah. He specifically said not rice krispies. Okay, um, but so, kicks. So, so um, it, it mimics the, what happens in popcorn, right? Yeah. So in popcorn, when you heat up popcorn, the liquid in popcorn like vaporizes, expands, but the shell of the corn is what keeps it intact. And what happens when it pops is the shell breaks and. If, you know, you get the shape of the popcorn. Well, this, but the starches inside the popcorn start out as solids, and they have a little bit of moisture. When they heat up under pressure, they become liquid until the shell ruptures, and then, right. and then, yeah, it's and then a combination it immediately solidifies again. Of the amount of moisture in the corn, which there is a lot of, right, in the food, moisture, in the low amounts, the pressure, and also the heat. Those three things tied together at a right combination will create popcorn. Um, but for other things that have no shells. Beans, rice, and other things; those things have moisture as well that will expand under pressure and heat, um, but not no natural shell like corn. So, so you can't get the pressure increase. Yes. So, a uh, hundred years ago, uh, a scientist—I forget his name—he okay. uh, uh, developed this idea of puffing, which is to have a closed container, and he used like test tubes when he first experimented with this uh, closed air sealed container put it in an oven and under extreme heat and pressure, the items inside that container would expand and, and puff once you opened the container. So hold on. So they don't, they don't puff until the moment the pressure decreases? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Oh, um, that's, that's interesting. And so it's not like popcorn where it's popping, popping all the time. Yeah. Once the container's open... That everything thing, puffs instantly? Everything puffs instantly at once. <laughs> um, so does it explode? There are explosions. Uh, <laughs> so this is the technology that kind of revolutionized cereal making. And the two things that the – there are two basic types of cereal. You have the, uh, the fried stuff, the cornflakes. Yeah. And then you have the puff cereal. And Dave Arnold was like just fascinated with the history of cereal. Like, did you know cereal was first invented by like, uh, like a very like cultish, ascetic people who wanted like the most purest food with, that you couldn't enjoy and you just eat it and it would be like high f- fiber and you just go through your system and be nutritious. And Something then, to really ream you out. And then people found out you could put sugar in it and then it became this huge marketing <laughs> thing. Um, well, so – so the thing that I saw, they, they did a little document, a short documentary about the puffing gun. And one of the things I saw was that like in the 30s and 40s, like the big cereal companies that we know now, Kellogg's and Post and all those, had massive like buildings full of these puffing guns. And they were firing them off constantly because they were making cereal in batches all day long. Puff, yeah. puff, 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 puff. So this exhibit that they kickstarted and they funded was to build a massive like 3,500-pound puffing gun. Like, like an industrial sized one. From industrial sized yeah. one, manufactured in America, and that you pour like 15 pounds of whatever you want in there, run it, heat it up, high pressurize, and then open it, and it's a huge explosion, and you get the food everywhere. Um, so, so 
but he wanted to try this with stuff that wasn't necessarily grains because like that's where they they so, did it with corn and yes. grains and stuff like so that. The exhibit is great to demonstrate the the history of puffing technology, but his interest is how you can apply this to like other foods that aren't grains and, and beans and stuff. So because anything can be any small thing can be puffed. Um, so if you want to experiment, you can't experiment with a thirty-five. Can you puff bacon? Um, he he said that they puffed um, like chicken skin and stuff like that, or they maybe that they wanted to try puffing chicken skin, like pork rinds. He said pork rinds, like pork skin, puffs pretty well. Yeah. Um, they tried. They wanted to try doing coffee, but I don't think you guys got to do that. No. So to um, to experiment with puffing, you need a smaller puffing um, cannon, basically, right? Not not industrial. So you don't one. have to do fifteen pounds of something at exactly, a time. and cleaning that is a big mess because uh, things get imagine. sticky and, and stuff like that, uh, or burns. Um, so where do you get a small puffing gun? And it turns out that in Asia, puff, even though puffing technology is like industrialized in America, in Asia it's a street food. Hmm. And there are people uh, in, in Southeast Asia and stuff that have made cast iron puffing guns, small ones, that they like put between their legs and stand over a fire Jesus. and heat up to you know, 100 PSI. And then pop it and shoot it into the street or shoot it into a dirty sock or something and then sell, <laughs> sell the, the Dave Arnold's words, not mine, um, and sell as street food. And you can buy one. They, so they, they bought one? They bought a cast iron puffing gun, street food puffing gun from Asia, for one rigged it more. up uh, with a, like a bulletproof cage. Um, and then we got to see them uh, demonstrate two puff explosions uh, before – accident happened so that, <laughs> no, nobody lost video. a finger or anything no, no, right no, no, okay. No. Um, okay but good. it was spectacular and and pretty awesome uh so yeah i i'm really bummed like of all the stuff that we missed i was really bummed that we missed dave arnold that i missed dave arnold when i didn't make it to new york um, but, um so those are the things uh that we'll have a bunch of videos on um to, to make a long story long and uh and then i also on my off time I went to see three Broadway musicals. You went to see three Broadway musicals? <laughs> I, 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 was, I thought, oh, maybe I'll watch one Broadway musical. And after I saw one, I got the bug. So I this, I got to go again. This New is, York, New I got to go again. This is like you and the blackjack, but not quite as seedy. It probably costs as much as the blackjack <laughs> in terms of expense. Uh, what did you see? Did you see Spider-Man? I saw Matilda. Okay. The best thing in the world. Is it the just most amazing, wonderful, delightful musical? If you've read the Roald Dahl book, if you grew up with it, um, it, it will be touring next year. It is. I've been listening to the soundtrack all week long. Oh it my is, goodness, it is great! Wow, Norm's gone deep. It, it is amazing. Were you, um, did you go? Did you like you and Wes go? I, I went by myself. Went by to a couple of them, okay. and I went with uh, Wes to a couple of them. Okay. Um, so saw that. Totally worth it. Uh, the trick is, uh, if you go to New York on Times Square, there is a kiosk that will sell these tickets uh, day of, half off, basically. Broadway tips. Line. Fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, it's the thing don't I buy, never expected don't buy to them get. online for $150 a ticket. Wait the day of. 3 p.m. is when it opens for 8 p.m. shows. Get in line. The line goes pretty fast, and you can get tickets for most of the shows well, just for be, about 50%, 60%. That works better if you have multiple things that you're okay with seeing, because yes, sometimes stuff yeah. will be sold out. Oh, yeah. You, so you have your list of uh, yeah. you know, your backups. Like If you want to see something specific, then buy, buy in advance. What else did you see? Um, yeah. I saw the, uh, the musical for Once. Um, which is based on the, that, the indie movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, it's a great movie, a lovely film, great soundtrack, and they turn into a, a Are those guys a in the musical? They're not. Oh, okay. um, 
And it won the well, Tony's not familiar for with Best this. Oscar. So in about 2006... You mean Best Musical? Best Musical, for, yeah. yeah. Uh, in 2006 or two, 2007, um, there was a new film called Once, and it was it's set in... Uh, Ireland? Ireland, yep. And it starred the lead singer of the indie band The Frames, indie folk band. Oh. Um, Glenn Harsgaard, I think his name. And, uh, the story is, is he's a musician. He's out on his luck and he meets this girl, this Czech girl, a young girl. And they, they have this like three day chemistry, like, chemistry and it's, it's heartbreaking and it's, it's a lovely film with a great cool. soundtrack. And also one that the song from the movie won best Oscar for that year. Oh, the best song, best, song, year. best okay. original song. Uh, and then they, they had a real life romance that mimicked their movie. And there's a whole documentary about them. Anyway, Turned to a musical, lovely musical, um, won the, be- the uh, Tony for best new musical. So last that means year. hold on, he, 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 that means the guy from the Frames is approaching EGOT territory. He's he's an Oscar and a Tony. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So and, that uh, means yeah, he just needs a, a he Grammy. Needs a, I th- he may have a he Grammy. Might have. I a mean, Grammy. everybody has I don't a Grammy, know. right? Um, and, and better get on TV. He, he just needs an Emmy. Right. It's, uh, it, it's not the actual actors, but they got pe- people that kind of look like them and could could definitely sing. Okay. Uh, it was really cool because in a lot of musicals, um, the band plays in the background. There's like a, always live yep. band, live music. Mm-hmm. But in this musical, the band was on stage. The performers were also the musicians. I like that. And and they performed, and it was just it was well choreographed. So kind of rock and roll for a musical uh, on folky. Broadway. Folky, folky okay. lot, choreographed folky, but but not like you know. Not your traditional Phantom of the Opera style no, stage no, no, singing. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of, yeah. It's a really cool, I mean, it was cool to see three, to see how different musicals could be in terms of production scale and how they use sets and what things they were aiming for. And I the, mean, yeah. The, the third was? The third was Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. I just wow. had to see it. <laughs> I had, I, 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 was I anyone killed during your performance? Nope, and it was a packed house. It was the t- tickets were cheap because no one want, really wanted to go. Nothing like a um, train rock wreck to draw you, the crowd. If crowds. you don't know what Spider Man Turn Off the Dark is, this is uh, a product. It's, it's been on Broadway for three years. People now. have to know what Spider Man Turn Off the Dark was. I, it was I do not know. Oh. What okay, Turn off the so uh, you've heard of Lion King the musical? Right? Yep, it's one of the he- biggest successes in Broadway ever. Uh, still sold out every night, even though it's been going for ten years. Then, like two national tours, world tours, whatever. It's in, in UK. It's but the that cats was, of our time. Absolutely. Uh, that was cr- directed and created by uh, Julie Taymor. Um, who is she? Jeffrey Taymor's no okay. Tambor. Oh, no, Taymor different. Just um, checking. Julie Taymor is a designer. Um, she did that mu- uh, that movie, uh, that Beatles movie, Across the Universe, um, but very distinct fashion. Uh, which is part of what made Lion King so memorable, makes it so memorable and so beloved. So a couple of years ago, about five years ago, uh, she wanted to do, she was hired to produce a Spider-Man musical. They wanted Broadway. to get on the superhero train. Absolutely. Yeah, why not? Uh, Spider-Man movies, one, two, and three, the Sam Raimi ones had made a ton of money and they thought they could translate that, that type of action and that story, which everyone knows, to Broadway. And they hired Julie Tamar to design costumes and choreograph everything. And they hired Bono and The Edge from U2 to write and compose the music for Spider-Man. So, well, and then they, they get to like, they, they made crazy, like it was supposed to be the most effects driven Broadway yes. performance um, ever. So right? All sorts of wire work cost, and crazy like, stuff. Movies can cost $100 million, a blockbuster, $150, 200000000 Broadway... 
like something like once cost $15 million. Matilda is like $15 million. Spider-Man the Musical cost $75 million to reduce over its time. Does that put it in like Waterworld territory? For, oh, it for is plays? absolutely. Well, Waterworld gets a bad rap um, if you look, look at inflation. Fair enough. Okay. But in, ter- in terms of uh, big disappointments uh, or overblown you know, production costs, Spider-Man Musical is the, one of the most expensive musicals ever produced. And rife with problems in production. People, um, people were really seriously injured, dropped from like wires. Uh, they eventually fired Julie Taymor. It's not on her re, IMDb page. Re like rewrote a bunch of it, like before it even came out. Before, before it even came premiered. out. Yep. Um, the costumes are really elaborate and fantastical. And oh, in in the opening previews, the the first couple months when they were uh, showing this on Broadway three years ago, the show had to stop. Like, people would just get... There was one in- incident where Spider-Man just got caught hanging and they couldn't pull him down. So they had, <laughs> so I just stared at the Spider-Man. They had to turn the lights on and rescue <laughs> so, him. So he did whatever a spider could. And um, Was that during a performance? During a performance. Yeah, oops. People broke their arms. They, There's been an amputation. It's I, really grim. It, it has, there's it ongoing has, lawsuits. There's a storied history behind this production. Which I, so you're had, saying it's a mixed bag. A, a, a mixed bag of crap. Um, I had to watch it. I, and in recent reviews, because people have said, okay, it's got to be better now. They've, they've polished it. They've kind of refined it. It's tightened up. They've, um, so what did you think, Norm? There's always an intermission at this, this, these musicals. And at the intermission, the break, 15-minute break, I turned over to Wes and I said, this is shit. Because so, it was okay. Put it in film um, terms. Is this is this Man of Steel? Is this Star Trek Into Darkness? I, I don't. Is this Spider Man Three? The singing wasn't great. The lyrics were terrible. Uh, the opening had some like the bullying of Peter Parker was very like uh, West Side Story. You know, you know the like bullies are- snapping their fingers. <laughs> but the, when they got to the actual fighting stuff and the, the action, that was. Amazing, and they had Spider Man. I think there were like eight different Spider Man actors. Did you shoot webs? They're, they they're definitely had the confetti webs that they're shot around. It, um, <laughs> string, string, silly string, silly, not silly string, confetti. <laughs> okay, because so, not sticky. Uh, Spider Man would swing across the audience onto like the balcony, go back and forth. There'd be nice choreographed fights. Um, the, the production looked expensive. Uh, the sets would things would come down from the ceiling, from the floors, uh, you know, unfold on stage, like massive sets unfolding on stage. And the final battle is the Green Goblin flying across the theater, and Spider-Man also swinging and then landing on him and fighting and jumping off. And so, so as someone who hadn't had a whole lot of uh, experience with serious theater up until this point. Did you saw you saw these in the order that you said? Uh, no, I saw Spider Man second. Okay, yeah, so, Matilda was absolutely the best. So, did you feel like did did you did you kind of get a like if you were let's say you were uh, someone coming from to New York without a whole mm-hmm. lot of theatrical experience and sure. and you wanted to see a show? Would you have been entertained by Spider Man Turn Off the Dark? Had yeah. you not seen Matilda the night yeah, yeah. before? Yeah, I. I I would if have felt you, like I got my money's worth in terms of spectacle. Like, would you rather have been watching that or at home on the couch watching an episode not, of Real Housewives? I rather would have been there. Okay. Sounds like a three-dimensional experience. Sounds like it might be good for kids. Yeah, kids kids loved it. And uh, if you get the prime balcony seat, Spider-Man like, swings up to you and gives you a high five. Oh, so prize I of mean, admission right there. If you're in the balcony and you're seeing a Spider-Man like, swing towards you, yeah. land, 
do a pose, give you a high five, and then swing back to save Mary Jane. Like, get the camera ready. <laughs> yeah. yeah did, 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 like, you, Photos are illegal. Could, you uh, couldn't yeah, web yeah. up your SLR yeah. in the Gotta corner Gotta make an there? exception yeah. in that case. Yeah. yeah I'll exactly. get thrown out. That's yeah. fine. Um, that's, I mean, that sounds okay. Broadway is wonderful. There you go. And you got the added NASCAR component of will someone get killed. That makes me, made me a little nervous. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 n- never comfortable. I'd, I'd rather things go smoothly on that it's, construction. It's really anxious when you're someplace where, like, the unexpected like i it, it didn't used to bother me but now i get super anxious when i'm like watching somebody climbing like rock climbing or something that's potentially dangerous it's very you know what changed i don't know i think i got old i hear you so the final thing i'll talk about for new york and i know we've now that we're an hour and 20 minutes into one new york hour talk. uh is that i got to see the uh the iphone launch in person Oh, the Fifth Avenue store. Fifth Avenue Cube store in New York. Oh, yes. How was that? Which saw the, saw those lines. Experience. Um, did you meet the guy who was in line for a week? I didn't get to meet him. I, yeah. I did stand in the press crowd among the other, uh, the gaggle of reporters who were there to interview the first person. Were you was, able to get into the, like, they let you in with press or you just pushed your way to the front? It was very easy to get in. Okay. Yeah. Um, I saw. It's nice that I Apple say, acknowledges at, at, at us least, occasionally. At least 10 to 15% of people in line were not to be racist old asian people okay what does that mean same here man. i don't understand uh, <laughs> i think they were there to buy and resell the phones oh, oh. if they got a gold one it was a good move on their part um they they, they were not high-fiving anyone when going into the store but the high-fiving on the way in the store is the most uncomfortable part of the experience for me i i have i have photos of this i'm i get um, really uncomfortable with did you see casey neistat he was there I, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. That made more sense to me in the early days, maybe the original iPhone launch, when there was something to celebrate. But nowadays, I, I would feel like a prop, like they were using me. Yeah. And I, I'm not interested in that. I don't like being a prop. Yeah. I feel bad enough waiting in line. Yes. I, I didn't the wait line in line was this year. incredibly how, long. How it long? went around an entire New York block and a half. <sighs> so uh, what, like 1,500 people probably? More than that. More than, easily more than a. Was it a wide line or was it a single file? It was... It was like two or three people thick. And so if you had gone down, like, did you check it out when you went to bed the night before? No, no, no. I, okay. did, the, I did that morning. Uh, it was our first day of shooting. I was like, oh, I have, some, I have like half an hour to kill in the morning. So I went down to 730 and, and checked it out. They opened at eight, just like yeah. they did here? Yeah. yeah. That, it, it looked- and, and everyone, they took their photo, you know, they, they, they bought the iPhone. They got, because it's, if you, the cube is uh, just on the, the ground floor or the, the surface streets, yeah. but the store is actually underground. Yeah. And so everyone was escorted down the circular staircase. And then uh, you could actually look inside the cube. And it didn't look packed, obviously, like controlled, not packed inside the store. But people would walk out, show off the two boxes, because everyone bought two. Wow. Why not? And then went on to do, uh, to, do, to do eBay. an interview. <laughs> um, eBay. I've been kicking myself, because I was up at midnight. I had a gold one in, the, in my cart you know, that would have shipped within one to three days. And uh, I didn't get it. Wow. I, I didn't want cold. I wanted black. I didn't either. It was to sell. Oh. But then I, I figured... I, oh, they'll have plenty. I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Gold ones? Are you no, kidding? No, have they you... didn't have any gold ones. No, no, no. no. I, I should have done it because now, um, now they're like two grand on eBay. So so that, that Casey Neistat film, I guess that's how you say his name. I don't know. He's, he's a, he works with um, Tom Sachs a lot. Um, and he was one of his, I guess, brother maybe worked on 10 Bullets and Colors and all of those. Uh, but he has a good YouTube channel and he does a lot of like short films about you know, modern life. And the one he did on the iPhone was, I thought, pretty good. So the iPhone launch, yeah, leads into. Do, hold on, we should talk about Inventor launch ever well, so briefly. I, I, just, I know you have a great segue there, but okay. 
We'll talk about Inventurn at the end. I'm sorry. I, I figured we'd get business out of the way. But um, yeah, iPhone launch. I was up at midnight. The internet, as with the 4S pre-order, the Apple's website held strong through the entire event. You were able to, like Verizon, at least on my side, I'm a Verizon subscriber, didn't drop the ball on getting me authenticated. All that stuff worked really well. Um, I was shocked. I don't remember that being the case with 4S. 4S was e- was an easy pre-order. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not, maybe not in my case. I think the dot S's are less... Uh, 3GS I got, or I, I ordered online too, and it delivered the morning of. Um, Could you use 3GS online? Yeah, because they delivered to the office at, at Future. We were still at Future. I don't you know? know. Norm and I were in line for the 3GS yeah. together. That was a wait-in-line experience for, for me. Yeah. Right. I, I did. I ordered the 3GS, and it came at 10 o'clock on, on, on whatever the on morning release was. Day? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was... Uh, so I, I had one in the basket that was going to be delivered... In seven to ten days, or whatever the whatever the fast time was, that's one to three, one to three, whatever. Yeah, shipping one to three, delivered in seven. Got it, seven ish. Um, and then somebody said, "Hey, you should check out Best Buy because they're doing in store pickup." Uh, and and I went and ordered one at Best Buy and did in store pickup and went and picked it up at nine o'clock in the morning whenever whenever they opened. Nice, no which line, was great, no line. Wow, yeah, it was wonderful. Um, I, just to be clear, I wouldn't have bought it. I wouldn't have upgraded my five had we not needed to have one to cover for the site. But yeah, I thought it was it was a good experience. Much. Did you wait in line at Stonestown or did you go to uh, downtown? I waited Jeremy? in line at Stonestown. I like that Best Buy tip. I wish that I'd been aware of that. How long did you wait in line? Two two hours. Oh, that's not. Oh, that's bad. not so. So you got in like six? No, no, no. I, I dropped my son off at school. I arrived there around oh. uh, I don't know eight forty five. You know, and I was out of there by. Ten forty-five. So by the time you got to the front of the line, did they? Did they? What? what are you AT and T? Verizon? I'm AT and T. I went for sixty-four gigabyte space gray, which is all they had. Well, they had different sizes, but they didn't have any white or gold. Those yeah. went quick. They had four total gold in the whole store. That's what. So Best Buy had nothing but space gray, yeah. and they ran out of AT and T sixteen gigs first, and then thirty-two gigs. Um, and then and then they had all the Verizon and Sprint you wanted, and all the sixty four yeah. gigs. Sixteen you wanted. gig is not enough anymore. I, I especially when you look at like the amount of space that a photo your photo stream hold t- takes up, and and the increasing size of Retina games. And like also, if you want, to, I mean, f- for things like software patches, if you're upgrading, I know it comes with iOS seven. If you're upgrading from six to seven, you need extra two point five gigs just for the OS. Just yeah. for the OS, yep. or, I mean, just just to unpack it, yep. you know, to, to upgrade. Well, and, and things like that, the 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 amount of space. I mean, the hundred twenty frame per second video takes four times the space that thirty frame per second video takes. Yeah. So, I don't, is that true? Uh, I know it's, it's quad the frames, but it's also seven twenty p. It might be lower bit rate. Oh, it might be lower. It might be small. Yeah, so it would be. Yes, that is correct. I forgot it was 1080p, but um, it still is going to be a bigger file. Yeah, I think a lot of people also do not take their phones off, uh, the photos off their phones when they upgrade from iPhone to iPhone. Like it's directly all, all their photos from however many iPhones. So like you, Jeremy, or, or you know who had has had the iPhone since the very beginning. Yep. Do you sell photos from your iPhone one on? No, I actually I downloaded the uh, iPhoto. No, yeah, that, so that would be I, that would be too much. I, I like I like keeping it there. It was good to see the the history. It made that it makes moments that much. That better. would be cool, right? Yeah, you no. can see how many photos you took in two thousand seven, eight, nine. That 10. would be cool, yeah, because that's the one thing I kind of miss. Yeah, yeah, I don't have that at all. Um, do we want to talk about the phone now, or do Let's we want to save that now. for what we're testing? This is I think this is there's it's actually been a surprisingly big news week. So I'm not going to say it's the big thing this week, but um, I haven't touched one yet. Would you like to touch one? Sure. 
I have not held an iPhone 5S yet. Uh, it seems uh, I like the so, so obviously space gray. Um, I think that the new finish is sturdier than the old one. Uh, my the black ones had chunks taken out by this point, and I've dropped that once or twice. And, and are you talking about the chamfers? Ding. The chamfers, yeah, yeah. Mine was pretty beat up. My five, yeah. But I just figured this was the exact same. I don't know. I think that they've. I think that they've refined their process a little bit. Hey, there's no square on the circle. There anymore. is no square on the circle anymore. That so, would interfere, wouldn't it? So, are you using Touch ID, Jeremy? Love it. Um, my favorite thing. And this is something I learned from Gruber. But you can see how fast it operates by holding your finger on the sensor and then hitting the power button instead of the home button. Um, That's inconvenient to do. Why would it? Well, do no, that? no. You just do it. Just do it for demo purposes. Sure. Normally, you would. Press Normally, the you press the home button and just linger for a sec. Is what I do. Yep. Um, Not working for me. Well, you you have a different no false positive. Norm. Um, we'll work on that soon. We'll, we'll we'll make some jelly finger casts. There's some good will it touch. What do they call it? You know, they, there's some good videos out there where people touch various body I'm parts. I'm sure that the first thing most people have done was take out their Johnson and and see. There's, if, there's been those jokes, but right. you, there are YouTube videos of people touching the their nipples. cat, the dog. You know, all yeah. sorts of stuff. It just needs skin patterns. It yep. seems like. Um, a banana peel works. I, there was this delay in iOS seven when you're touching, when you open a folder, when you first turn on the phone, and the you icons the, fall in. The, I don't like that animation delay. I, Too much. I found it really obnoxious for maybe the first four days I was using iOS seven, and I don't notice it anymore. I, I thought it was because of a processor thing. I hate the transition times. Yeah, uh, that is it's the so thing. slow. I I can't believe it got through Apple. <sighs> You know, user experience testing so, and on to the, out and released with that this amount of wait time before everything happens. So the weird thing for me is I don't I don't tap into folders very often. Like I use the pull down and use uh, Spotlight yeah, rather than too. rather than da- tapping into folders. And but Spotlight's a huge improvement. Spot, the new Spotlight stuff is really good. I'm just saying, even even for getting you know opening applications, yep, or even turning it on, yeah. I have to wait for this fade up to happen. Yeah. like the lights are dimming off. Now that you've said that, I totally noticed it. I hate and, it, and you're an ass. Not only that, but if you sit here at the at the lock screen and it starts to fade down because it's yeah. turning off, if you try to interact with it during that fade, it says, "No, no, no I'm fading, dude." <laughs> you, you're out of luck. You can't. You can't interact with me. Um, uh, have you noticed the speed? The speed stuff. There's nothing to notice it with. The f- iPhone five is plenty fast. There's there's zero that I have noticed that's faster on the iPhone five S, except for taking photos, which is like having a machine gun. Yeah, that's you can do real damage. Yeah, like I, if you if you're not paying attention, you'll take fifty photos. Yep, and it's it's kind Sorry, of alarming. Right. But uh-huh. there, there, I'm taking 50 photos. There, Go for it. There are apps that take advantage of it that I just don't use. Take take a person so that you get the smile detection and all that all stuff. Right. You delete a bunch of photos. I just took. Um, you don't you don't even have to. Just don't favorite them. It'll be fine. Um, There's this VJ app. Oh my know, god! And, and the, it's it just keeps going. It's going nuts, and then right? it smiles. And now take your finger off. 54 photos. Okay, so now go in and look and look at the buffer thing, and it'll hit favorites. First. Uh, in the bottom, yeah, favorite. So the thing that I noticed about the CPU, the place I noticed it is in browsers. On the 5S, uh, and if you look in the bottom, the ones with the triangle or the dot underneath the dot. are the ones that it thinks are good. Not good. No, I know. <laughs> no. It's, it's real up and down that, <laughs> no. especially if it's not people. Um, the the CPU on web browsing is immediately no obvious. I found that Chrome, which is super duper slow because of iOS dumbness, is faster on the iPhone 5S than it is on my iPad, than Safari is on my iPad. Mini. I haven't actually tried Chrome yet. Um, 
so I'm actually using like it, I have it has rendered my mini almost unusable. Like the, by comparison, by comparison, really, yeah, it's a big difference. It's a huge, immediately noticeable because Chrome difference. can't access the JavaScript accel- acceleration that Safari uses. Well, it's and, CPU bound, and right. Safari on the phone feels like a real browser, like a desktop browser for the first time. Didn't it always? No, really, no. I've always found it slow. The scrolling and things like like if you load up Tweetbot, Norm, the fast scroll on on uh, uh, your column of tweets is a, is. is very happy making. <laughs> um, did you notice that when you update iOS 7, if you had to update iOS 7, uh, it prompts you to put a passcode in now. Yeah. And yeah. it gives you the illusion that you can't. I mean, the, the fine print in the bottom says, oh, no, I don't want the passcode. Yeah. But by default, they want you to have the passcode. I'm not sure if this was the case with iOS 6 when you upgraded, but it seems like uh, I never had the passcode on my phone. And now it's like, oh, put a passcode on to make you feel how, to re- realize how inconvenient the four digit passcode oh, is. Oh, I disagree. I mean, that, that's a cynical viewpoint. I, everyone I, should have a passcode. I, I, well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you as someone who's suffered from not having a passcode in the past, <laughs> everyone should have a passcode. I, I've been happy five years without a passcode. Yeah, I, don't, I used to work with people who were like, if, if you're going to have business information in this phone, you need to have a passcode on there just in case it gets lost. Well, and it's not, it's not like it's a suggestion. It's that it's required yeah. when you hook up to the mail server. Exactly. My wife's phone, um, when she hooked up to her corporate email, had, had to have the immediate passcode. Like you turn the phone off and you didn't, you couldn't even have it be a minute. You right. had to type the code in again. Well, in that Which case, five or touch ID is great. Is is very convenient. Yep. So the bummer, it, it's an inconvenience. The bummer is touch ID requires the immediate, the immediate setting. You can't say, oh, I want this to to give me a five minute window or oh, whatever, not that. having to sign back in. So the the but the thing is, it works. Like, I don't think I've had uh, that, it not that's work why, at all. Right. Because I'm on uh, iPhone five without touch ID. If I'm logged in, I press the power button on and off. It pops right back. There, there is a, a, a grace period where you don't need to type the passcode. Yeah. Um, I was also a little bummed that it's only five fingers. Although I find that if I do index and thumb on every on both hands, yeah. and then I gave Gina a finger so that she can use my nice. phone too. Yeah. My, yeah my, my six-year-old son was excited to have a finger. I gave him a finger. That's pretty big, big of you. And then I deleted it. Good move. <laughs> Just to try it out. Let him try it out. Yeah. So do you think that Touch ID is going to make it to the iPad? I hope so. Oh, it's going to be on everything. You think it, I mean, this year. I, I, every, every new generation item is going to have it. You think that iPad mini is going to have yes, Retina everything. and Touch ID? Yes. I, well, whatever. Yeah. It's I, going to, here's the wow. thing. Wow. That would make it, and based on history, they won't increase the price. If iPad mini uh, is Retina, A7, and Touch ID, it's, it's like I, I will be in line the moment they announce. All they got to do is give me Retina, and I'm, I'm buying it. Yeah. I think Retina is more important than Touch ID, but yes. Touch ID on that would be very. It would be a great way to sell Touch do you, ID. Do you feel safe with Touch ID? I mean, it's it's kind of a convenience. He, he, but, I don't know if it's actually more secure. You know, I know that it's only in there for two days, but yeah. now my password can be broken if I'm sleeping, yeah, or dead, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or unconscious. Yeah, I'm mean, care. If you get mugged and somebody wants to get the data off your phone, all they have to do is what, what's what's it called? What's the thing that that Garrett and Thief has? A sap. Somebody saps you in the back of the head. Yeah. You hit the ground. They grab your finger, touch it to the thing, and then just don't turn the phone off. Yeah. And they're in. Yeah. Um, just don't turn, they're running around. Right. No, can't let it go to sleep. Don't let it go to sleep. Can't let it go to sleep. <laughs> well, you know, it's that, they, should, they should require a touch ID again to change that sleep setting. That would be good. Um, the so yeah, I mean the the part about the other thing that's come up is that fingerprints aren't protected by the Fifth Amendment like passwords are. So. 
the cops can take your fingerprint, which they collect from you when you're arrested, make a mold, which is relatively easy to do. They did it on Mythbusters years ago. There's how-tos on the internet that show you how to do it with some gelatin in a, in a very short period of time and use that to unlock your phone. Is that true? That, that is yes. – that is, that, uh, They have tested that? What? That you can use gelatin to unlock the phone? Yes. Oh, yeah, for, absolutely. Yeah, for, uh, for Touch ID? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Um, I didn't, within I, a, I, I didn't a think it was high enough resolution. And it's unclear. Like It seems like the pa- like fingerprints aren't going to be Fifth Amendment protected. Mm-hmm. So that if you were doing things that you do not want the police to know about, then then that is a thing to be concerned about. Or if you're just concerned about you know illegal search and seizure and stuff like that in general. Um, for me, the types of things I leave on my phone are inconsequential to the point that I'm okay with that. And the convenience of not having to type in that code every time I turn on my phone is is really nice. Yeah, yeah. No, I just want to stress that it's a convenience advantage, not a security advantage. Yeah. And and there are also massive problems with using things that you can't change as your passcode. It means that if your fingerprint becomes compromised because you leave your finger on a bar, <laughs> uh, on a glass in a bar, then it is really easy for someone. So we just need to all wear gloves all the time. Is the lesson? Capacitive gloves are going to make a big comeback, and then you have to take your finger, your glove off to, to do hats. the finger. Yeah, the, finger, the gloves have little hats. Hats for the finger, or use your nipple as the touch ID. Can you? Yes. <laughs> what? Yes. So, what are the weirdest things that people have tried using? I'm sure ID? that that people have taken off their pants and checked to test touch ID. Um, I have not tested that, nor have I tested the nipple. Um, it, it sounds like you this should is, live up this to the like live, live, live up to the moment. Yeah, no time go. like the present will. Well, okay. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I only have one more spot. Um, the camera stuff I found pretty good. Like the 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 quality on the pictures is noticeably better. It's still nothing approaching like I my know. NEX. I agree. Um, but the flash actually is is noticeably it's usable. Like I, I used it to do a photo against the sunset the other day. That looked great. I should have tried that. Um, I used it when we were shooting. Uh, when you shoot high speed video, the flash comes on because obviously it needs more light for the high speed, and it looked it, it didn't look blown out and terrible. You mean when you did the slow mo? When you shoot on? the yeah, the slow mo. Interesting. It it comes on if you're in a darker yeah, room. Does, I haven't had it come on. The microphone is a circle now. The microphone. What are you talking about? On the back. Really. What was it before? Oh, it was a dot. It was a, a, a oval. Oh, really? I didn't remember that. Okay. Circles. Um, circles, Jeremy. Circles are the new thing. The touch ID button, the inner circle, is the same size as the circle icons on the, the past pin code. Oh, you're freaking me out. You know so much about my phone. <laughs> and yet I had not seen one until today. It doesn't look like it's the same size. It's the same, it's the same size the, the, for the pin code is the inner circle on Touch ID. It doesn't, I'm telling you, it doesn't look like it. Maybe the outer. Maybe the outer circle. The outer circle, I, yeah. I kind of like the feel of the circle now. It has that, in, that Apparently uh, the, chamfer. the metal button. chamfer. The physical button mm-hmm. is a better button. No? Well, the button was a point of failure on the old phones. It was the easy way to get a phone replaced. Yeah, it, just, it, it's the best iPhone ever. <laughs> and, and the best selling iphone ever nine um million. although you know that's five s's and five c's and which and they never in the past had broken down the for example last year the four s plus the five and how much that was although more interesting is analytics companies have said that uh based on their tracking uh number of five s's to five c's bought slash used um is three to one in favor of five S. And this is using like web analytics? Using some type of app analytics and web analytics. And uh, the places where people had expected the 5C to sell better, for example, in China, 
still the same ratio where five S's outsold the five C's. I thought it was even higher. I thought it was ninety percent were five S's in China. Yeah, in China, yeah, many, many more percentage. Well, which, which is ironic given all this media about China wants a cheap phone. Exactly. exactly. Well, I think the kind of people who are in the iPhone market in China are probably the extra hundred bucks doesn't matter, right? Probably. We're talking um, about China's one percenters. And I think UK had the the most equal uh, difference. Well, so. So a couple of people, um, uh, Ben, what's his name, who runs Strategery, um, even said, look, if the 5C was the same hardware as the 5S, I would totally buy the 5C because I like the way it looks better. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually mm-hmm. been to an Apple store since they released the 5C, really? so I haven't seen the gold or the, or the, the C handset. I've seen a your phone, <laughs> Jeremy, what? with that case. Yeah. looks like a 5C if you put it down on the table. It looks like my old phone. Uh, the the gold is surprisingly subtle. It's much less. Um, it's much. Say, say it, Jeremy. Say champagne. Yeah, I guess it's more champagne than gold. You know, it, in the commercials, I think they accentuate the gold color a little because when I saw it in person, I thought it was silver. Hmm. And then the, I said, "You don't have a gold one out." And the the, you know, the lady said, "No, there's one right there." I said, "Oh, I had no idea that's a gold." Oh. One. Picked it up, checked it out. Sure enough, but it's subtle. It sucks it's, for those people who bought the gold to show it off. No, no, no. It's still, it's still baller, but it's just it's still baller. It's not, it's Jeremy not as, Williams. as gold as that. Gold thought. iPhone 5S. It's still baller. It's <laughs> I, I got too many titles for this episode. Um, what uh, Were they selling the new cases at the store? Oh, I don't know. I was just going to put it in my own you case. Put in your old I case. Ask. I, don't, I, mean, I have a yellow case coming so I can make a Bumblebee phone. Did you see the 39-word review of the $39 case? No. Uh-uh. That's great. Was it clever and funny? It was clever. Biting, scathing? It's a little scathing. Okay. I didn't trust that case, the Apple case, to, to give enough front protection. I like a little lip so that if I drop it, on, it, it hits Face the down. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. all good. Um, so, yeah. Don't like, give me a lip, Jeremy. <laughs> I, uh, it's a nice phone. It's a great phone. Yeah. yeah. It, the, I was gonna, just going to say, the processor is in, it's just nuts how fast it is. On, on spec. Yes, on spec. That's what I'm saying. That there's very little that takes advantage of it that's not in the photo app that, we, that I've used. But there is a VJ app that can composite two 720p streams together and do effects with them and broadcast that over it's Norm's dream at the app. same time, in real time. YouTube GJ, DJ. This is, like, this is a crazy fast computer in my hand now. Yeah. yeah so I hope something takes advantage of it that I use. Um, I also I found one app that uses the M7 coprocessor oh, thing. What is it? Um, it? If you search the App Store for M7 and go down about ten things, it's there. That it's makes a, sense. It's a step tracker, basically. And it's like Fitbit, but you don't have to have a Fitbit. So device. is is the? Let me just make sure I understand. That is always tracking always and tracking. storing your movement. Um, I don't know. But I, I assume. If you have an app that ties into it, it stores it. I don't know if it stores it by default. So, the, it, it so seems like when I open an app, can it look back in time and see what I've been doing? I don't, I don't know how that works. Okay. I, it may be that there's an API that the app can t- tap into and then it stores the data. Yeah. Um, I know that some stuff uses that for like context awareness. So it, um, I want to say Maps knows that when you take it from, say, the tray, the center console of your car... And it can tell when you're in a pocket and walking because of that app, and it'll automatically switch over. Although I haven't actually tested that because I don't use Apple Maps very often. Yeah. Um, I should probably do that. As, a, as an aside, there's a ton of bugs right now with iOS 7. It crashes a ton. I've had it go to the Apple. Like, yeah. Like hard crash. Springboard crash. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's a bad bug with background updates, which is one of the things I was most looking forward to about iOS 7. Oh, I haven't had that yet. I, use, I started using Mailbox. The biggest gripe I have with switching to this phone is it's a new phone. It's a new hardware, so I can't... 
um, get an exchange account with Gmail, with Google. Oh, right. And so I can't get the push mail. So I, I had to find a new solution for that. So I tried the mailbox app again, ended up really liking it. But there's a big problem. If you check their Twitter stream, it's just nonstop people complaining they can't get er- that the app is resetting and they have to enter their credentials every day. That's the one that Dropbox owns. I think um, so. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. it's an Apple problem, and there's just a bug. There's lots of it, like you said, it crashes. There's issues. I've had I've had it crash mostly web browsing, like loading a heavy desktop page. But the nice thing, like I said again, is that I'm I'm finding myself always searching for the desktop link on web pages now, unless it's a particularly good mobile experience. You know what? A thing I don't like about iOS seven, I think this might be only on iPad, is that the browser, the name of the website, doesn't give you the full extension of the page nope, you're on. That's on. It just gives you the. You have to tap URL. into it, and I think that's really dangerous. It's stupid. Yeah. Show the full extension. Chrome does that as well. No. No way. Yeah. Really? On on mobile. Chrome hides the status bar until you slide down, or the so does address. Safari. And I'm pretty sure Chrome doesn't just show like the main domain. Also, um, I don't know if I want to get into this, but oh I think no, it's, you're right. It yeah, doesn't. Chrome shows the full. Uh, I thought it did. Uh, I think it's really stupid that uh, iOS keyboard is all caps. It's been all caps I, I, forever, it dude. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I don't care about that. What it doesn't I, matter. It's a little less legible. You can't tell what. If the shift button is down or not, exactly because your thumb's in the way. Well, not just that, but it, it just it's in, inverses the symbol instead of the key, and it, it just doesn't work as well for me to. I hope that it's a new beginning. You know, iOS seven, they're going to tweak it. It's going to get better. No, I mean the thing is, I think Apple sticking to that. Like they, the point is that they've been doing this since iOS, like the first the iOS beginning, beginning yeah. where it's all caps. And I think from a usability perspective, uh, it, it is much. If it's a digital keyboard, you're talking about skeuomorphism. Use the the power of a digital keyboard and show what you're actually typing. Well, the so the, the challenge is um, that the lowercase letters are less legible. No, no. Why do you care? What, what you want to know if you're typing upper or lowercase? Yeah. Norm's looking yeah. for reasons to be it's upset just, about you know, iOS now that he's a new. No, I'm not because I'm I, because having used the alternative and having and having especially typing passwords. Yeah. And when I'm typing a password, I have uppercase and lowercase, and it's not showing on the screen because it's. Blanked out. What, I've used both. Yes, and that's. So, but that's it, not a digital keyboard. You're saying if it was, that they would do lowercase keys. Yeah, but but so here's the thing: because of the font that they use for the keyboard, it's the it's the not it's the I, A and the and the Q and stuff like that are different enough that they don't read right, right. or they don't read right as lowercase. Well, then I think this is a case where they chose design over well, the Does Android do lowercase letters? Absolutely. This is part of your gripe. No, and it's they not probably, because it's Android. It's because I've used the alternative, and, and you like and, it, and the alternative is better in, for what I use it for. Gotcha. I think, and it's something that Apple hasn't changed, and I don't think they will change. Um, it's because it's designy. It's been really interesting watching third-party versions of the new design roll out yeah. over the last week because they're they're real up and down. Like people are people. I mean, clearly people spent some time with the betas, but I don't think they really captured what the core concepts were in a lot of cases. And stuff's been a little weird. We, we still haven't seen Tweetbot update, which is the one I've been waiting for. So anyway. Um, the phone's sold out now. The 5S is sold out for a couple of you ordered online now. It's like October delivery. Um, and Stores don't have it either? I, it's, I, I don't know about that. I think you can probably do the thing where you go in and in get in line at 6 o'clock in the morning gotcha. and grab a phone. But I don't know about gold and stuff like that. It seems like either they were trying to raise demand for gold artificially by not making very many of them or they weren't sure if people were going to be into it. 
or maybe they just finished the color late and didn't actually, depending on how cynical you want to be about Apple's marketing machine. Um, but I was shocked that, that third parties only had the black phone and not the silver or the, the gold. My money's on artificial, and I think it's a great move because it makes it feel like gold. Everybody's special. If yep. you have a gold phone, you're special. Yep. Stop being cynical, Jeremy. <laughs> Why is that? How is that? Conan O'Brien got a gold phone. That's all I know. Is that true? I don't think it's cynical. Oh. I think it's it's appropriately skeptical. Yeah, I, right. I think I think given given Apple's history of manipulating supply chain supply to increase fake lines and stuff like that, I mean, we never nobody's ever proved that. But I don't know. They've got a COO as a CEO. So. Why would you not pre-order phones at this point? Anyway, um, there's Steam news. I love it. This is crazy Steam news. I love it. Only two out of three. What? There's a third piece of Steam news. I know, coming we, tomorrow. We won't know. We don't, we don't, we don't, you guys will know. We, we don't. Um, so the first thing is Steam OS, which is a, seems like a custom spin of Linux uh, with, with optimized graphics drivers and graphics subsystem that they can then go in and continue to kind of tweak and manipulate to be very good for games and presumably also stuff like audio and video streaming, things like that. Um, but it, it, there aren't that many Linux games, so it also will do the the Steam streaming thing if you have appropriate hardware on the other side, which will let you stream your Mac and PC games from your real gaming PC across your network in your house into your living room so you can play them on the big TV with the big screen mode. And that sounds like, depending on the price of the boxes and the kind of hardware that you need in them to enable this, that sounds awesome. I think it's, it's going to be NVIDIA only. Um, NVIDIA had a big blog post uh, to coincide with the Steam hardware and and software launch. Uh, They also recommitted to developing open source Linux drivers or open Linux drivers. That's the fifth or sixth time in the last 10 years they've said that, by the way. And AMD has had not to not talk about this at all. Hold on, to open source Linux drivers? No, open source. Oh, to, to, Linux, to, to closed I, I actually, source drivers might, for Linux. No, uh, no, no, no. They've, been, they've already been source. developing closed source ones. They're, what they're doing is they're committing to better transparency with the open source community. Got it. So oh, okay. they're, they're going to help the existing open source Linux driver evolve. And I think that okay. it's, it's going to be the NVIDIA Shield stuff. Um, but I mean, the this, this SteamOS stuff Steam. will be the closed source drivers for sure for performance reasons. Yeah. And I guess that those are actually pretty good. Um, uh, so Steam OS uh, out by end of the year. Um, they'll have more details, and then Steam Machines, which is just well, there's specs. two two phases. There's uh, there will be specs for uh, good, better, best machines that OEM partners will be making. Uh, whether they're just you know low end stream only boxes or dedicated graphics boxes that can run all 125 Linux games. That's uh, it. There's only Steam. 125 Linux games. About, about that much. I thought it was 300, but. It's uh, hundreds, not thousands. I expect that to double very quickly. Sure. Um, well, the, the thing is, anything that's built on like Unity or something, something that's a, a kind of middleware platform is relatively easy to port over, right? So yeah, I would but I'm just saying I think it's going to become a, a target system yeah. now that this exists. When I saw the OS announcement, it's like fireworks started going off in my head. Things started to fit into place because I'm, I see the future as PC gaming being a little grim. Anecdotally, I don't know anybody who's buying PCs anymore. Everyone's buying laptops or existing on their tablets or phones. Right. And, and, and people who used to be PCs, they're all getting Macs anyway. 
And Mac is is not, not going to be the PC. <laughs> you live in a bubble, gamer. We, we live you, in a bubble yeah. here. I, I, there are a lot of people built, not maybe not buying fully built PCs, even though the, the boutique companies are still surviving. I think a lot of people are still building their own PCs. When, no, when, no, no, gamers, absolutely. But I'm saying that the PC gaming industry, I don't know if it's going to exist. Well, I don't think that those people who are buying you know Dell boxes um, in, and now buying Macs, those people weren't gaming anyway. So PC gaming. Is being more maybe more focused, and maybe there's a higher percentage of people who are gamers who are building PCs. And look, I'm not saying there aren't people who would always buy PCs in order to game, but there's a lot of people out there that gamed because they had a PC. Well, and I'm saying that those people now are gravitating towards their their portables, and they only have a PC left for gaming. And if they don't have to have that anymore, if they can have a set top box that is their gaming rig, then this is going to be a perfect solution for them. Well, and the other the other side of it is that it's hard to get new people in if the initial investment is high. And while you can build a pretty nice gaming PC for five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars somewhere in there, um, that's still that's still a harder sell for somebody who's who likes playing Candy Crush but doesn't but and and is into FTL on their iPad and wants to see what else is out there compared to a $300 box like a console or a set-top box or something like that that you can just plug in. In SteamOS and Steam Machines, you're still talking about having one additional box than people have now for a living room. Well, it depends. No no doubt. But PC gamers have that box. I'm just saying that box is not going to move. They're going to be able to play it on a bigger screen, on a better sound system, in the comfort of their... But maybe with worse controls. We don't know that yet. That's what I was hoping Wednesday's announcement would be. When we saw Wednesday's announcement, and it was... You'll need a computer to run this OS. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's such a surprise. Three hundred lucky golden tickets. I know. Yeah, golden like, tickets. You gotta I, buy a lot of. If you buy a copy of Half Life Two, I went to sign up, a, and there were already fifty thousand people that had already submitted. Fifty thousand. That was like the hour that it that it was announced. Well, so so the thing that's brilliant about the streaming stuff is it lets them. It gives people who are already invested in Steam and have already bought, bought a bunch of games a reason to spend two or three hundred dollars on a box. And at the same time, we'll massively expand their installed base really quickly. So that's always the challenge with a new, like in, in the console world, the challenge is getting installed base ramped up as quickly as possible. And when you're talking about a machine like a PS4 or an Xbox 360 or Xbox One that costs four or $500, like you're only going to get the people who are already invested in playing games and want to play the, the games that are only available on those systems by saying, Hey, okay, this is going to run Steam native games. But also we have the ability to play your Assassin's Creed's and your Call of Duties and all that stuff, the, the things that you're already playing. But on your living room in a more console-like experience, if you want to play single-player stuff that way, then they they kind of – it gives them a, a shortcut to that ramp, yeah, I, I think. Absolutely. Um, I can't wait to see what that feels like because the, the long-distance streaming services – had a promise of, of you know zero detectable. You're latency. talking about stuff like um, uh, on live, on live, yeah. on live, and, and grid. Everyone and said Kakai. Uh, it felt you know real time. It felt like a local console. I said I was always hesitant about that. It I didn't skeptical. feel like a lo- local. console. And then once you played it, yeah, it turns out it doesn't. Yeah. It's good for certain games, but not for games that require Twitch responses. Yeah. So I'm hoping that the local in-home streaming, they call it, actually feels good. I, my hunch is that you're still going to. Um, I mean, our experience with the Shield, which admittedly is over Wi-Fi, which is a different situation than a than a dedicated box could be, because you could plug that into a lower latency, less interference wired network. Um, but our inter- our experience with the Shield has been that that things like Saints Row and kind of story driven cinematic experiences are great. But if you're playing something that requires precise timing, like Geometry Wars, 
maybe that's not a great experience for really? streaming. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, most people are going to be on Wi-Fi with the Steam Box, I would think. And also, all they do is be better latency than the Wi-Fi the wireless controllers, which have a little bit of latency also. Right, that's true too. Yep. So um, the SteamOS stuff looks really interesting. The boxes were kind of meh. Um, well, we Valve, don't know what the boxes are. You mean in the the announcement was that the yes. boxes were kind of meh. Um, the the thing Valve is giving away what three hundred. I've uh, got a golden ticket. Right, yeah. three hundred of their prototype box. They're only making it so that they can beta test, is what they're saying. They should invite um, all three hundred to the Valve headquarters. Um, well, three hundred people is a small enough number that they can do something crazy for those and then, people, and then slowly eliminate them one at a time through elaborate traps and pipes and oompa-loompas. Is Gabe Newell and wearing a velvet suit at the with end, a top hat? Charlie, it's always been you. I'm giving you Valve. <laughs> 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 so they, and then they take a great glass elevator they, up to the moon. They get into an elevator, and there's a giant valve in the bottom, and Charlie has to turn it? That, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, I can't wait to see what tomorrow's announcement is. I was hoping that it would be, if we got the controller Wednesday, that tomorrow we would get... Software. The goggles. Oh, you're thinking all hardware. You're not even thinking like half like 3. goggles. I'm, I was uh, hoping. Three. If you look at the icon, it's two circles next to each other. It wasn't, you know, it's a stretch, but it's... That, that, the goggles are very... The feet's, it, it, they're counter to the idea of having the living room big TV. It's it's not in the same. It's it's, it's, it's possibly related. possibly maybe you know maybe you're right you're right. Did There's you s- something there? But I was hoping because I want I want VR and everlasting gobstoppers. Anyway, well, it'll probably be a controller. Did you see the thing on uh, on Reddit last night where the guy took the images from the different days of the yeah. planets and superimposed them yeah. and up the contrast? When he up, I know it, I know it ended up being a joke, but when he upped the contrast, it looked like Antarctica, where the Aperture Labs uh, uh, ship was buried. Was it Aperture Labs? It was it was Aperture Labs? How do you know that? I remember it from no, Half Life Episode Two. What? It's, it's, like yeah, when they're talking two. about the ship, the ship that was tra- teleported, and they, they showed that? it, it ended up they in Antarctica. They in your your Half Life Three, Half Life Orange Box review. Well, yes, the, yeah. uh, yes, <laughs> Half Life Two Episode Two is my least favorite of the Orange Box games. Tainted and it, the experience, and it it, it 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 was the turd in the punch bowl for the Orange Box. <laughs> it was a delicious turd. I I just this is another that's another. Anyway, we, we've we, talked about this before. I'm not going to get into this again because all it does is make people really, really angry at me. We all expect Half Life Three to ship on this new system. Uh, I don't think that there's going to be a Half Life Three. I think that they've walked away from Half Life. Uh, well, they don't definitely don't need to, but I think they'll do it. There's there's this ha- quote unquote leak of a Left 4 Dead Source Two game. Oh, I think Left 4 Dead Three is 100 percent coming. Yeah, and will be next gen next gen consoles yeah, in this. Like, that is easy. Maybe that's what and, it is. And um, all but confirmed. I think that I think that Half Life Episode Three is Portal Three, Chell versus Gordon Freeman. You know, I prefer that. I'd be happy with that. Um, it's it's just, so different st- styles of games. More I mean, oh, ton- narratively. Well, kind of until the gravity gun came into play. And then they became, like, they were inching toward... Anyway. I'm totally excited about a console that embraces everything we love about PC gaming. Upgradability, Wild West development, access to, oh. the, to the hardware, it, you know, modding communities, uh, you know, you know distribu- all the distribution gre- all, freedom. All, yeah, all, all of the stuff in the Steam Workshop is... Like, the fact that you can just download mods for Skyrim and not have to go through the massive install process and just hit a button and it's there is great. I mean, the big advantage, and NVIDIA could have just released their own drivers and, you know, GeForce Experience software to let people build their own HTPCs, low-end HTPCs, and then do the exact same thing, because as Shield does. 
but with Valve on board, it's much more likely to actually happen and or work and be supported for a long time. The advantage of Valve is that it's a free OS and yeah. you're not paying $100 for Windows and you don't need Windows, even though you technically can install Windows on these Steam boxes, well, Steam and, machines. And they can, by adding the streaming stuff, they have the ability to apply pressure and, and, and get people to actually buy into it. We'll see. Um, what do you think on the controller front? Do you think we're looking at like a a valve version of the xbox game controller or you think we're going to see some sort of crazy mouse keyboard hybrid or something that we've never even imagined there's got to be, there's gotta be to... a mouse analogy somewhere there has to be i don't know I, big picture works perfect without a mouse no no doubt but for the games that support the gamepad yeah. but but for if they're going to transition uh, i can't if there's not some sort of a mouse track wheel or touchscreen or something that is analog i just i can't see it competing Interface-wise, with the other consoles, I, I, th- I, that is the thing. I yeah, you're right. Cannot imagine what it is, and that's the thing that I'm most cautious about. I think it's going to be a motion controller with some sort of pointing access for the screen, and then you'll have like one of those Belkin speed pads for your keyboard stuff, and and you're gonna. Mm. It's gonna it's gonna be, be like a Wiimote. That that was the very last question in Wednesday's announcement was what about input and they said announcement soon hang yeah stay tuned yeah um, so tomorrow morning at ten o'clock Pacific time I think ten Pacific one yeah. p.m. Eastern um, Surface Two you were there Norm. I was there uh, you saw the Surface Two in all of its thinner lighter slightly faster Jeremy, slightly you better can, you can battery life now. glory no I'm actually curious because Microsoft iterates their, their first version always sucks oh they really iterated this time <laughs> they iterated the fuck out of this so one so how did they iterate um, I think that people who compare this to the Zune analogy it's nothing like Zune HD was such a big departure from the well but that was Zune. third or fourth gen Zune. It was like third gen yeah uh, this is maybe closer to the Zoom One and Two. The, the so it's the, brown now. No, it's it's white. It's white magnesium. Uh, there's still two models only. Uh, Surface Two, which is the second version of Surface RT. They're well, still selling Surface RTs because they have a bunch of them. They didn't sell <laughs> three fifty. Uh, you still see those commercials on TV now. Surface Two is four fifty. Okay, a uh, one point five pound uh, tablet. This is the arm. This arm, arm surface. T- it's not called Tegra. Surface RT anymore. It's called Surface Two. Surface plane. Two with Tegra Four. Okay. Um, it's about the same size. I, I know they say it's lighter and thinner, but it's very, very. I held both a Surface and Surface Two, and Surface RT and Surface Two, and it's almost indistinguishable. Uh, so they're still targeting iPad, basically a full size ten iPad with a bigger screen, ten point six inches. Uh, Surface Two has a high resolution screen now, ten eighty p. The screen looks great. It's a uh, IPS. Really low reflectivity um, under under the studio lighting, even um, Tegra Four, which is as we know very fast, one of the fastest ARM chips, seventy two graphics cores, will be fine. Uh, runs Windows RT, and I think right now Microsoft, as of today, may be like one of two companies making Windows RT tablets. So all the OEMs, everybody's pulled making. out. Even Dell has pulled out of Windows RT tablets because they um, sold so spectacularly badly last time. Uh, the thing with Windows RT is that the Windows 8, Windows Pro, you know, Windows Store programs, people developing for that will still work on Windows RT. So I think people are still making Windows RT. Well, but only only so only the ones that use the right APIs. If you write a C program, I don't think it works on RT. Because like Metro Twit, which is a Windows Store program, does not run on RT. So people are buying these machines for Office RT, which will still come bundled. You'll get the full suite of Office Word, Excel, uh, uh, OneNote, Outlook, all that stuff. We'll work on the faux desktop. Uh, Skype is built in for a year of Skype international calling. 
uh, and Skype hotspots. So you get and, and the camera is improved on the Surface Two. It's actually a really good uh, low light camera. Still for front, the front only, front and back, five oh, megapixel back, okay. back, three point five megapixel front. The kickstand, which is the big defining factor of this, the Surface tablets, now goes two angles. Um, so I didn't attempt to break one. Can you back. use it on your lap? You broke the last one. Uh, the Surface Pro one, yes. Yeah. Um, no, you broke the RT. The RT one, yeah. yeah. Um, the reason they did this, the second angle, which tilts it further back, which is higher, is so you can use it like at a standing desk because they realize a lot of people have these surfaces on countertops. The use case for a Surface is the countertop. It is not the lap. It is not a device that you're going to put in your lap, fold out the kickstand, and then put a, a the, the touch cover, type cover on your lap, and then type on a chair, as p- some people in you know at meetings sometimes do. It is suitable for the countertop. It is suitable, I think, for a flat surface like a desk. It's suitable for a airplane back tray, um, and it basically is a, a, a you know it's a all in one in its form of a tablet. The fact that you can hold it as a tablet and show people things I think is inconsequential because it's still pretty heavy. 1.5, I don't... Holding the surface in bed and reading for a long period of time, not so much. Pop the kickstand out, put it on a flat surface. Um, surface Pro, now is Haswell. It's the Intel 4200U processor. Uh, 1.6 gigahertz, 1.9 gigahertz goes up to 2.6. Longer battery life, they say 75% more battery life. All that jazz. USB three. There's a new dock. Yeah, and it also runs RT or no? No, that one runs Pro. Okay. The Surface Pro, uh, Surface Pro two is l- like the first Surface Pro one, which we have. Uh, one there's of back two there. of them back there. I think um, is a laptop replacement. Uh, they want you to buy this for nine hundred bucks as opposed to buying a MacBook Air or or a Lenovo or a and, Lenovo or, 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 or HP like Edge or something like that. Yeah. So, but but here's the the fundamental. Thing is okay, so it tilts back further. It's a little bit better on the lap. They changed. Uh, I, I, the, I, don't, I would not even say that's a little bit better on the lap. It, it is. Well, it could you, be worse. If you are, if you like using the surface in your lap and you are tall, uh, your neck will be strained less because it tilts further back, so you don't have to kind of scrunch your neck. Yeah, back you're not to, pushing your shoulders back and then pulling your chin in. So yes, but in terms of the so neck ergonomics better, but typing ergonomics not better uh, for lap. Um. It's, I, I'm shocked that they didn't, given that the rest of the industry has moved towards 7-inch tablets, I'm shocked that they didn't roll out a 7-inch model. That is coming next year. Uh, oh, okay. So only two years too late instead of... Great. Uh, isn't the keyboard going to be a problem at that size? I don't think they'll have the keyboard. But, yeah. I think that there'll be Surface uh, RT or, you know, Surface RT, uh, Windows, R, I'm sorry, Windows 8.1 RT and Windows Phone 8.1 will converge at some point. Their their on screen keyboard is great. Like the 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 intent. Apple has spent the last seven years convincing us we don't need hardware keyboards, and then they rolled out and said, "Hey, we have a great hardware keyboard." Except for the touch covers didn't really work very well, and the type covers were okay, but but like the ba- there was a big balance problem with. As, as evidenced by the lap issue, when you had the kickstand out and the tablet up, and and then this big but super light keyboard on, they changed the accessories a ton, right? They added uh, four more accessories. There's a new uh, new type cover and touch cover that's backlit, uh, thinner, lighter on both ends, um, more it, sensor points on the touch cover. Like, did you get to try it? Yeah, it's it, better. I still like, like 
the tactile, I need the tactileness of a type cover, and the type cover has less travel now, even by a millimeter. Is that a key? good thing or a I bad thing? I think it's a bad thing. Okay. I think I want more travel um, to feel the, the response. Did they, are they actually going to sell? They had a DJ accessory? That is an experiment. It's the remix so project. Not so the idea for sale? that the, uh, no, the type, uh, the touch cover, which is basically like, like an iPad cover, but has sensors on the inside and yeah, I've used it. Screens, I don't care for it. Right. Um, they can silk screen whatever they want. On there and program it and emboss the buttons to and, and have backlit emboss buttons and backlit, yeah, backlit. Huh. Um, and they can make it a customized control for any type of you know, we- like for example, the big demo they showed, and I don't know why they didn't have a touch cover for this, was video editing and the Surface Pro because it's a full Haswell computer with you know fast yep. fast storage, fast processor, lots of RAM, um, and fast I/O. You could plug in high resolution cameras. And do like red video processing, for example. Like they had a red dragon and they processed 6K video in real time and scrubbed it in real time on a Surface Pro, which is cool. It was cause for celebration, the bells of celebration. There. <laughs> um, and uh, the idea is that people in pr- production environments where they're not necessarily at one table, like they're moving around, whether taking the laptops in, the, in cars and working on the back of a SUV or around a set, uh, the Surface Pro is ideal for them. To have that store, have that you know the processing power. Well, and, and a real computer, and a real computer yeah. that they can show directors and have a really good screen and and work in that type of environment. I, so, I think that makes sense. Uh, and a touch cover that has like film editing shortcuts and stuff like that would also make sense. So I I think like it seems interesting to me because it seems like the real market for the Surface stuff, especially the Surface Pro, uh, well exclusively the Surface Pro, is in people who create content. It has a really high resolution screen. It has a a, a good pressure sensitive touch screen or, or stylus, digitizer. yeah, digitizer. Um, and and so everyone from like people at Penny Arcade, like you said, people are making films and stuff like that, are using them for that. I just don't see why a normal person would buy this instead of a laptop. Like that's that's the because a lot of normal people don't use laptops. Like they use them as um, all in one desktop replacements, and all they do is plug it into a monitor and keyboard, and and they're able to take it home. I mean, I guess, but I'd rather have. A, I'd still rather have a laptop that I plug into a monitor and keyboard, which is what I do. You know, not quite. Every, well, that's why but they sell the. Every day. They sell the touch cover, type cover. They have a dock too, right? So you just there slam it into the dock, and there's a USB. Dock. Yeah, that yeah. seems crazy. The content creators are stereotypically Mac guys, anyway. That's so. the thing that's weird. Yeah. Uh, I'm not creatives, not exclusively. In the old creatives days, creatives are, are Mac guys. I think in in certain professional spheres, uh, a lot of software is still PC only. In the last ten years, it's that's changed. I'm, like, a, it, I'm a Vegas video guy. Yeah, you're PC through and through. That's right, Jeremy Williams. Um, we're running out of time, so I'm going to go through the rest of the stuff here really fast. Uh, three new or two new Kindle Fires announced an 8.9 inch. Uh, they're both called HDX, right? Um, and HD Extreme. Is that now, what ex- that stands for? Uh, no. oh, okay. uh, explain to me why a Kindle, Kindle Fire, which whose ostensibly its purpose is to uh, help you consume Amazon stuff, yeah. books, Amazon Instant Videos, Video on Demand, music. and the games and stuff. Toilet paper. Why would you need a 2560 by 1600 screen, resolution screen, to watch 720p video? Um, to compete with Retina. Because I think text at 2560 by 1600 is going to look dope. Um, Any, sure, but still, still look great at 1080. I think they're trying to make real tablets instead of just content consumption devices. I think they're. I think they've realized the thing that we said a long time ago, which is, why would you use a, a Kindle Fire 
which is purely for buying stuff from Amazon when you can go out and get a real Nexus device, 7. Nexus 7 or iPad mini or whatever. Nexus 10, yep. Yeah, for the same price, essentially the same price or maybe a few bucks more. And then, and so if they're making this a better all-round device, which is what, Matt, I mean, Matt Buchanan at the New Yorker said, and I, I actually trust his judgment on this after using it, this is a thing that is a real tablet. Like, this is their first real tablet. Because they will still sell the Kindle Fires. They're selling the Kindle Fire crazy cheap. It's 140 bucks now, so the 7-inch one. If you are nice. an Amazon-only person, yeah, that is that is fine for you. So t- talk about uh, the tech support. Uh, so the, the they have this thing called Mayday. There's a button. You tap the button. A little window pops open, and within I think 15 seconds, it's just crazy fast. And there's a human being there that will show you how to do the thing that you're having a problem with. So they see your screen. Oh, I love you it. You see them. They don't see you. They don't see you. They don't you see, see you. Them. But they can like draw on your screen. And be like, look here, the buttons up here. I'm gonna you, you do John Madden that shit. Pantsless and dancing. I'm gonna be pantsless when we try this out. We're gonna we'll do a live video of it. Um, this is awesome. Why are more free, people doing this? Free tech support, instant. You have to have a Prime account, I bet. Twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days a year. I think it, you get it when you buy the device. That's really cool. And you get Prime when you get the device. And you get Prime when you buy the device. The other thing what? that it, you do for a month, a free oh, month of Prime. Okay. Okay. Um, the other thing that they do is they have the ability to use any Miracast enabled TV, which I think at this point is probably Samsung high end Samsung sets. Or anything that has a PS3 or PS4 hooked up to it, you, they'll be able to flip the video and just play it on the TV. So if you're watching Amazon Instant Video on the tablet, you can zip it up there. And then the tablet becomes an X-ray device that lets you see behind the scenes of your Ooh. movies. Wait, wait. How do you... No, ha- no, no. no. X- when, when X-ray means... Uh, there's Amazon has a feature in Kindle called X-ray, which just means as the movie's playing, whoever's yeah. on screen, you see their IMDb. It's like, it's like, like the Xbox screencast. Not augmented reality. Yeah, yeah okay. No. But no, I was actually curious the first step. How do you beam it to your TV? So Miracast <laughs> is basically open source AirPlay. And it's a dongle you plug into your no, TV? No, no. Uh, well, it could be... TVs have it built in. TVs now. have it built in. It's also a feature of the PlayStation 3 and presumably the PlayStation 4. They say PlayStation 4 on the list. Cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, here's the thing. If, if the, ta- if the 8.9 inch tablet was $700 because they put the 2560 by 1600 screen on it, I would be upset. I would think that's really dumb, but it's 380 bucks for a nine inch tablet. Essentially it's essentially 16 by nine. So it's still that weird form factor. Um, but like great, more power to them. If they, if the displays are cheap enough that they can put a decent looking display in a tablet that costs 400, under $400, that's crazy high resolution. That's awesome. Which one are we uh, testing? We got both. I'll, yeah. I'll dibs on seven. So this is, this is a market. This is a Amazon selling these things at a very low margin in order to get you on their services, which is a different approach than Apple has, where they're making a lot of money on the hardware. I, it's, it's Apple, Amazon's approach to everything seems to be selling it at practically no margin. So that they can get market share and then question mark and then the underpants nones come and they make up. Amazon doesn't make a bunch of money. They're really highly valued. They make a bunch of revenue. They make a bunch of revenue, but they make very little profit. Keeps jo- keeps people employed. Yeah. That's great. So um, I, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. It's also super interesting that instead of having a big event or something like that, they just took over the biggest venue that they have and put these up on the homepage of Amazon. And I think they pre-briefed a handful of journalists. Like there weren't massive, there was not a massive amount of coverage of any of these devices. They just said, "Look, 10 p.m. Here they are. We can no, no. I mean, there wasn't a lot of pre pre brief yep. coverage. They just said, "Look, we were going to put this on our homepage. Shitloads of people come here every day. They'll find out about it on sale now. Yeah, uh, and they're shipping, I think, in November. So we should have, like, we have a lot of Amazon stuff coming. We have a paper white, and then two of these. Uh, they also announced a couple weeks ago uh, a new 
feature for the kid friendly mode of the Kindle Fires, which is basically like you can basically subscribe to Amazon Prime video for kids where they curate stuff and have things like Dora and just like Netflix does, just like Netflix does. Um, you have access to that. I can't remember what it's called. It's like free time or something like that. Uh, they, there's a stripped down version of that if you for free that comes with all the Kindle Fires. If you want to add the content that you don't own, like a subscription based service for yeah. content, then you can do that. I'm kind of creeped out by it though. Big Brother, why? I just don't. I don't want Amazon raising my kid. Mm. I feel like Amazon is not a company that like, I wouldn't want Sears Roebuck or Walmart to raise my kid. So why would I want Amazon to? Well, yeah, you still got to watch over their shoulders, make sure it's appropriate. But I love Netflix just for kids. I mean, it's, you know, gives Peter the chance to just to browse and see what he wants to watch. And it's all stuff that might be appropriate for him. Teach him how to deal with infinite content. Yeah. Infinite entertainment is the challenge our deal children with, face. Deal with, yeah. It's like uh, Cliffy B once said about raising children. <laughs> and who doesn't have a book, yeah. Cliffy B quotes, about raising children? Yeah, of course. He said you have to teach your kids to deal with the Matrix. Yeah. It's it's absolutely right. More guns. Um, and he guns lots of them. Couple of small hits. Uh, there's an Ed- Edgar Tronic Kickstarter. Uh, let's just talk about this next week because I think it'll still be going and it's interesting. High speed. It's a cheap high speed. Cheap, I air quoted if you're listening. Uh, high speed camera that makes that much more affordable than say the phantoms and the, the really expensive high speed cameras. Um, the FAA, according to New York times bits blog is, uh, evaluating rescinding the, the air, the ban on, uh, small portable electronics during takeoff and landing. They've like, been evaluating for the past six months. This, they have a FAA they're getting a, close as an advisory board, which will make its recommendations at the end of this week uh, to the FAA about uh, how the regulations and guidelines should change. And I think the New York Times story implied strongly that they're going to encourage availability use of devices in airplane mode, like iPads and ebook readers and stuff like that during takeoff and landing. Correct. Um, there's new iMacs that were stealth released last week or earlier this week uh, that are it's a Haswell update to the last year's body. Nothing, no, no big surprises there, except for they have discrete graphics on the high end 21 inch model and the and all of the 27 inch. I, be- I believe the SSDs are serial, are they not? Or, um, oh, they're PCI, PCI Express PCI instead Express, of serial yeah, instead of SATA. Yeah, that makes sense given what they've done with the air and the retinas. Um, and then the Inventurn. Uh, we launched the Inventurn earlier this week, which is uh, our search for Adam Savage's next assistant. Uh, we, uh, we've been accepting submissions for, what, maybe a month and a half now? We've gotten a ton of super smart, very interesting people submitting their videos of things that they've built. I can't wait to see the results of this contest. Well, so we posted uh, a video on Wednesday that had the first three entrants. And it was awesome. First three, uh, that first three that we, that we yeah. I mean, oh. these people, these are just ones that we thought were cool. They're not like moving on to the next round or anything like that. They're there, but they are um, cool projects. There's a guy who's built a rally car from building a rally car from scratch, like crazy scale and both small scale and crazy scale projects. So uh, there'll be another one next Wednesday. So you should check it out then. And for um, people asking, we will find a way to show the, the entire submission video. Um, so people can really see these projects in full. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some rights issues because some of them have music and stuff like that, but, um, but we're working on it. Uh, and I guess that'll, I mean, I think we should probably wrap it up. I think we're, we're close to time. I know Jeremy has some stuff he has to do this afternoon. Uh, thank you so much for coming in as always, Mr. Williams. Thank you for asking you. me. Um, anything you want to plug? How's your, you have, you have some projects cooking. Are they progressing? We haven't talked about that in ages. It seems like, but 
You'll it, be back when you have something. Today, my my appointment later today is to progress my projects. Okay, so I would <laughs> I'd love to talk to you about it later. Excellent, uh, Norman Chan. Uh, let's see, we have. Um, I feel like there's something on the site that we that I wanted to make sure we plugged, and there's I can't. Tons of stuff. On oh, the, site. Uh, the Tom Sachs talking room is up now. Should be. Uh, actually, it's up. It's up now for us too. Um, Tom Sachs is a is an artist in New York. He does he's a sculptor basically, and he does really. He does art that speaks to uh, uh, dudes, basically. So um, it's a fascinating conversation with he and Adam. They both are makers, and they came at it. They ended up being very similar and came at it from very different places. And it's like an hour-long conversation uh, where they sit down with Winston the the stuffed beaver and talk about things and making stuff and abusing Adderall and all sorts of other fascinating conversations. Frosty beverage, plant yourself in front of the TV and... And we'll enjoy the talking. Room. It's a TV show, you know, on YouTube. This is going to derail that conversation. But on the topic of sitting in front of the TV and being a dude, have either you been, uh, played GTA Three at all or Five? I have Not. played GTA Five. What do you think? Do you want to play some music and we'll talk about it in fake outtakes? Yeah, for a minute? okay. Uh, today's outro comes to you from "It's a Jackal." Here it is. Hi there! I didn't see you. That's it. Five and a half inches, it doesn't matter. Add another three inches, make it eight inch. The context of that comment was phones. Phones, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I played a little bit of GTA Five. I haven't had a whole lot of time lately. I, I, I um, that's subjective. I mean, it, the game is so big. It is enormous, and I kind of like I'm bad at those games because I don't like I. I just kind of like to get in the car and noodle around and see, like, go find submarines and <laughs> airplanes and stuff like that. Yeah. Are there, are there orbs for you to collect? There are no no orbs Ooh. to collect, which is... Also, playing Saints Row immediately preceding that game has made it, um, made traversal feel... I fell asleep driving the other <laughs> day. It's not good. No. It was, I mean, in fairness, it was probably, <laughs> like, midnight on Saturday, and yeah. I was pretty tired, but, like... That happened once when we were playing Borderlands. You could take that, cabs. That has you know, happened. Take cabs. Cabs warp, but they're not fast enough. Can't you warp if you pay? You can, but even that isn't like there's still oh. like you have to go through those emotions, and it's just it's okay. I think it's phenomenal. It is it is an incredible achievement. This game. I mean, I'm blown technologically away. Technologically or story wise? Uh, no, no, well, no, no, just technologically. Okay. Um, and are you PS3 or Xbox? I'm actually PS3. I don't know if it makes any difference, okay. but. Um, I mean, I played all all of them, and I finished GTA Three. I didn't finish any of the sequels to GTA Three, yeah. Vice City or San Andreas, but I played them. I also played a little of GTA Four. I wasn't totally nuts about it, but it was looked cool. Mm-hmm. This one blows my mind. I mean, every single place I go, I can't believe that they actually managed to make this game. So I I really love the the split, the three play the three way split on yeah. the on the on the players because it it. A gives me an easy way to like when I drive to the wrong end of the island and then I have to, or the city and have to then drive an hour back in the other direction. You I just can just jump. warp to the other person, and yeah. then the other person will automatically find it the, the way back. Yeah, so the other people keep doing things. Like when you warp into the person, you kind of never. Well, it, the, it kind of shows you where they are, but like sometimes you'll be walking along and like, he'll be at the sure. at the at the amusement yeah, Coney yeah. Island right. or whatever the the pier is. It lets you. It gets you to the immersed in that world. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Trevor is 
maybe the most memorable video game character I've is ever, Trevor I've ever seen. the third guy. He's the crazy, guy. the crazy guy. I haven't gotten him yet. Oh, then you haven't played that much, have you? I, I really haven't. Oh no, you yeah. Well, you got to experience Trevor because man, is he nuts? He is absolutely insane. A little scary. Yeah. There is a scene involving um, torture that I it put like I was about ready to stop playing the game. Wow, really? Yeah. What, did you play Splinter Cell? The Splinter Cell with the torture? Uh, probably Conviction, not. maybe? No. Okay. It's a little different type of torture, though. Okay. Um, I'll wait for it to come out on PC. Yeah. That's not a bad strategy. Or, you know what? If, if in a year it doesn't come out on PC, then I'll wait for the next-gen Game of the Year edition and play it there. Yeah. The I was going to say we should play some multiplayer, but since you're on PS3, I'm on Xbox. Xbox version runs really well. It's like this... It's 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 smooth for the most part in the way that like games like brothers yeah. were like, I was really surprised at how, how well brothers performed. I believe rockstar has come out and said, you know, we don't need next gen. We just got really proficient at current gen <laughs> and you can see it. Yeah. GTA five looks as good as I ever want. It's 720 P I'd love 1080 P, but I don't need a game to look any better than that. Well, I'm not going to say that that's crazy talk, but um, it, I mean, I would like to see physics improvements, AI improvements, but in terms of rendering, the the thing that I love is that they they have changed dramatically how the aiming works, how the gunplay works. So yeah. it's actually it's not quite as as um, it didn't reach like a Max Payne three level or like a real kind of lock on target based. Um, I'm trying to think what was the game that uh, that you you kind of do the lock on and have a little bit of a bump up to to do headshots. Um, like it locks onto the trunk and then you gotcha. you move the anyway. Yeah, um, it's really good. Like it, it, it feels really good. I don't get frustrated from the combat very often. I even went to the shooting range last night and did shooting range stuff for a while. Some of the missions are are like the the introduction for the second character is great. When when like there's just a wonderful moment where he does some absolutely insane shit, and you're like, really? Are we gonna gonna okay? Why not? And then then it goes bad for everyone involved. And yeah, um, I'm having. I have so little time. What I wish Rockstar would do. As a 39-year-old dad, I wish they would give me the four-hour mode where I can just <laughs> I can play through the best the game's got in yeah. four hours and beginning to end. The critical path. Exactly. Get an arc. I don't need all the missions. I just need to have a good time. And if I want to, I can go back and play the 15 to 50-hour version. Well, so did you see the thing this morning that was posted on, I think, Games Insider or some, uh, one of the future US, UK sites, um, computer games, I think? about the secret ufo stuff that's this is spoilers by the way um there's when you finish the game there are places that you can go and there's like petroglyphs carved into the rock walls and when you unlock the mystery of the petroglyphs then there's ufos hidden all over the town and like nobody knows what the end result of this post finishing the game quest is but i i absolutely love the idea of that kind of stuff because that's like when i finished saints row 4 i was kind of bummed that there was nothing else to do like the dlc wasn't available yet the the story was done and i could go collect more orbs but i'd already done most of that and like i just wanted to kind of fuck around in the world some more and if they have this whole crazy deep end game yeah like chicken cow level in diablo 2 kind of thing that you have to do that's awesome that's great yeah I, I do feel like I, the chances of me finishing finishing this game are extremely slim. There, on the map, you have question marks, which are freaks and strangers, and they're like side quests. Yeah, and I am ignoring them. I'm just going as fast as I can through the actual campaign. Have, have you um, have you done one of the heists yet? Yeah, okay. no, they're the best part That's, because they take multiple missions to ramp up. It feels like little heist movies, and it doesn't have the problem that Vice City had, where it felt like busy busy work beforehand. 
Like at Vice City, you had to drive across town to get a costume and drive back across town to get a gun and then drive to the other side of town again to get the right car. And you're like, any, fuck, I just drove for two hours for a three-minute mission. Any of the characters can accomplish those tasks. So okay. you can go to the targets based on the closest guy. Oh, okay. And it's, uh, they just you know, call everyone and say, hey, I got the costumes. It's cool. That's great. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's pretty good. And I, I have not been the biggest fan of Rockstar games over the years. So yeah. all the people playing GTA five, I just kind of want to fire up Rockstar table tennis and play that though. <laughs> Love that game. So well, you can game. play tennis in uh, GTA five. It's, it's, it's not very good. All those mini games, all those sides things always feel really like, I remember that being really cool in GTA three that you could go to play darts in the bar or whatever. And now it's just, they're not, they're, 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 like okay for five or ten minutes, but not something you'd actually want to play, and that kind of bumps. In my out. quest to get to the four-hour version of the game, I have not played any of those side mm-hmm. mini games, but I've read that they are good, that they are worthy of little side mini game standalone products. The 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 gun range stuff was fun. Like I actually like it helped me understand how the shooting worked better. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that'll do it for us. We'll be back next Thursday. Also, if you haven't watched our video from this past Wednesday, we did a PC build with Lloyd Case. Oh, that was the um, other thing, yeah. And uh, we're also giving away a bunch of hardware, including a GeForce GTX 780 from EVGA. So that's a pretty watch good that card. video, find out uh, how to enter, and, uh, and, and leave positive comments. That's asking. Or just leave comments. It doesn't, I mean, if you hate us, that's fine, too. I'll probably block you. But um, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, bye.